Hello all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast brought to you on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watch a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Haven't watched nearly as much wrestling. I come to you today thinking bigly about a, a topic that, that I think we all could we all could benefit from see, see i i have decided austin to follow in the footsteps of my hero uh terry hulk hogan balea and actually start my own other podcast as a pure vanity project uh because as we all know there, there is nothing more successful in this world so so i come today actually this is my last day on the noobs and knockouts podcast because <sighs> i i am going to 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 watch what we are here to watch today and and i'm sure be so taken with uh the the power the style and the grace of the vanity project that that i will have no choice but to but to depart and create my own podcast catered directly toward me and everything that i stand for with my image and i'm sure it will be totally fine and uh nothing will go wrong uh i can't wait to have to tell the story of the xwf and then you can be like this is actually a bad idea that will flop entirely uh i have no idea what you're talking about uh terry balea is a brilliant man and every every idea he comes up with is perfect actually pasta mania like have you heard a greater musical album in this world than hulk rules no you haven't have you eaten at a better restaurant in this universe than pasta mania no you haven't every santa with muscles fantastic so movie say oh santa with muscles let let me tell you everyone over here is off memeing and deeming I don't know what that's a fucking phrase. Memeing and whatever. Probably on, not. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, on how, you know, oh, oh, The Muppet Christmas Carol is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. No, fuck, what? Get that trash out of here. The only thing that makes it feel like Christmas up in this house is Santa with muscles. Thank you very much. Of course, uh, as today we are covering the first of the lost episodes of the XWF <laughs> because I, I, and my, the front half is going to be me giving it a history lesson on the entire existence of the XWF, because that's important to understanding why this episode is the way it is. Um, I, I clearly only, uh, only lost because the, the, the public was too scared of its power. So they locked it away where they did well, not have someone to was too scared. You'll get, we'll get to the story on that in a second. Oh dear. Oh, Oh um, boy. Uh, I also, for those of you watching in the video version of this, I'm not at my desk because I am prone to lower body injuries. And so I can't really comfortably walk right now. So we're just doing this from my bed. Austin, Fine. Austin is over here putting every motherfucker who who who's gotten injured in the wrestling business to shame by you fucking we 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 talk like about like a classic like like all wrestlers I know to work hurt you yeah know, you got to work hurt to keep your spot and so I am here yeah fucking who 
every, every again, people are always focusing on the wrong thing. Everyone's always going on about motherfucking Cody Rhodes wrestling an entire heck in a sec match with a torn pec. Excuse you. Why are you not giving true credence to the greatest hero of, of such feats, which is, of course, uh, the great Austin Leach, who is uh, who is working more her, t- torn pack, wrestling through a torn pack, nothing, podcasting through a fucked up leg. Oh, now that shit, that takes dedication right there. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and let's get back to the XWF, but I did want to cover that for anyone watching this on the video, why I look, I'm in a much different setting this time. Uh, but he is dead. Yes. Uh, so the XWF was formed. At, uh, first of all, what does that stand for? Mm. The answer is I can't get a good answer on that. Um, uh, what the show is kind of iffy about what it stands for. What some people seems to think it's Extreme Wrestling Federation. That's what I, I have think. seen yeah. people call it the X wrestling federation because the X is the missing variable in the sport. You get it. The X factor. Uh, uh, And however, the Wikipedia page calls it excitement wrestling federation, which I've never seen anyone use in the actual show. Hmm. So we're Uh, off to a great start. Hey, you know what helps your vanity project out if you got you, you gotta uh keep them guessing that that's what this is that the brilliant no it, it's 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 genius marketing you'll have people talking for weeks about what the name of the company might be uh, it could be a great mystery for for the fans there's nothing wrong with this nothing at all well, we've been calling it a vanity project. I don't know how fair that is because Hulk Hogan is remarkably removed from a lot of what's actually happening here. Really? He is just the face of the company, and that is going to be very funny in like five minutes. So <laughs> oh the Excitement Wrestling Federation or whatever. Whatever the fuck it is was basically the brainchild of American entrepreneur Kevin Harrington. He basically became a millionaire due to uh, the pot helping proliferate, uh, you know, TV ad, um, uh, advert, not, what's the word? 30-minute uh, ad infomercials oh. in the 90s. He helped pioneer that, really that, and he made a shitload of money on as from as seen on TV crap. That's so funny. he... In the death of this is this is a fascinating period of wrestling history, mm. the post WCW world, and I this is in particular the pre TNA and pre Ring of Honor world, as oh. both of those companies don't start up until uh, June two thousand two and February two thousand two respectively. Th- that's kind of wild how like both of the big like early wwf early 2000s wwf alternatives like came out in such close succession of one another and kind of became the two of the other like big staples of the industry at least in america that's kind of that's kind of nuts it was it was was a situation where like people saw there's a vacuum Mm -hmm. in 
without WCW and without ECW. Yep. And they were and they were desperate to kind of fill find a way to fill the void. Like a lot of a lot of the wrestlers from on the XWF, TNA, and Ring of Honor were all like dudes who who were in WCW that WW or even just trying to do 90s indies for as much as that existed and it didn't exist very much mm. and or late ECW and that WWE didn't want so they're like hey <laughs> they're like hey here's a new thing so you can keep having a job that that the job security uh I I, I do appreciate the the like the fact that like especially with fucking TNA which is what Jeff Jarrett's baby or no yeah that Jeff was Jarrett's Jeff baby. that was Je- that yeah. was the Jar- that was the Jarrett's baby yeah Jeff Jarrett's baby uh everyone's just like uh because Ring of Honor was a lot of like younger guys younger Ring of Honor guys. Ring of Honor was it, it more quickly established itself as like wrestling wrestling, wrestling like, we are wrestling. here for the hardcores who like work rate. Yeah. Whereas TNA <laughs> felt like it was trying to do the things that 2000s WCW was doing, yeah. as if that wasn't a problem. As if, as if there was absolutely nothing wrong with with such spots as Kevin Nash abducting uh, Ric Flair's son. No, the problem was the TNA decided that the problem was Jeff Jarrett didn't Elka bong enough people. <laughs> <into the country. laughs> The, so somehow, when Jeff Jarrett was at the helm, the, the the problem to be solved was how much Jeff Jarrett was on TV. We want to talk. About, yeah, fuck. Maybe I was maybe I was memeing on the on the wrong on the wrong uh, uh, promotion here. The real fucking <laughs> the real fucking uh, uh, vanity product the whole time was goddamn TNA. Yeah, uh, Jeff you Jarrett over here that. being like being like, hey, uh, you got jobbed by by the Federation and or the death of wcw so we're buddies let's let's hang out huh like if you if you come here and like you know add legitimacy to this promotion i made specifically just so i can like show my face a bunch the fuck more on tv uh we're good you can you can get some money as and literally everyone who was like just randomly fucking put out of a job by all this shit in the early 2000s was like you know shocking that actually sounds like a good idea like, well, I'm weighing, I'm weighing my options and seeing I don't options. have many. I'm, I'm weighing my options. Passively put over Jeff Jarrett constantly and get money out of it or jobbent. Hmm. Tough, tough call there. Yeah. But 2001 is this weird, like we are, we are dead on the heels of no everybody. Has, everybody's gone. Every, so, everybody. So Kevin Harrington saw this void, and uh, especially from WCW fall, falling, and he felt that there's sh- we that there's room for an alternative, Definitely. and they make that clear. They weren't looking to compete with WWE; they were trying to be an alternative. Absolutely, which I that's that's a weird little distinction to make, but sure. And so. They he got together with the finest wrestling minds available to him at the time. Oh, which was of course the Nasty Boys and Jimmy Hart. Uh, yeah, wait, from what I heard, isn't Jimmy Hart actually kind of legit? Like behind the scenes, I've heard. He's, he's I thought, pretty, he is pretty good. He, yeah, but it's I mean, a fun. I mean, to say the it. man got fucking recruited into Wrestlelicious. 
He's got to have some kind of oh, red yeah, flag daddy. being. XWF, baby. Let's go. Yeah, uh, that, 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 that's that's the power Jimmy Hart has. The ultimate hype our, man. Our anyway, favorite, uh, our favorite guy who takes 15 minutes to warm up, Greg Valentine, also a co-owner of this production. Of this oh, production. baby. Ba- fucking, fucking imagine those board meetings. He, ta- he takes 15 minutes to really uh, start making good points at the at the, <laughs> at the board meetings. Everyone sits there about for about 15 minutes and like this could have been an email. And by the end of it, they're like a plug sta- giving a standing ovation. Yeah. Like every and, time we forget, we never learn. And obviously, uh, Jimmy Hart means you can get Hulk Hogan. Uh, I don't. Doesn't the Nasty Boys also mean you can get Hulk Hogan? Yes, the Nasty yes. Boys and Jimmy Hart are both part of the Hulk Hogan Friends Wrestling Network. The the Super Friends, if you will. Indeed. And so, what kind of wrestling did they want to be? Uh, they intended to be explicitly a family friendly entertainment company. They looked at it like, and this is something that WCW talked about being in the Attitude Era. Eric Bischoff in particular was very much kind of like upped his note, kind of like was like looked at WWF at the attitude era is like, you're going to turn away all the sponsors for that. Doing that. shit. Look, I agree that the, the attitude era is filled with a bunch of like really childish bullshit, but it was the nineties, man. Everyone was all in on that childish bullshit. It worked, but they they wanted it to be something similar to what WCW was pre-NWO in terms of like vibe and content rating, stuff like that. Uh, wait, was WCW like I from what I could were they trying to be super family 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 friendly pre-NWO? Yeah, it was it was still considered a pretty like thing you can safely bring the kids to kind of wrestling well because like i from what i hear about like wcw like pre nwo and in the early days of nwo and from what i've seen of wcw in the early days of nwo it's it feels at least to me it feels very much like AEW feels now of like this is the this is the wrestling show this is the one where we kind of do it like it's it's a little more sports it's still got its kind of traditional Southern wrestling roots, which includes yeah. that. But it was yeah. it wasn't trying to like push any buttons, really. Mm. Okay, wasn't trying very to be a little, it wasn't trying to be safe. risque or nothing. Considering they did have Hogan there again pre NWO doing like yeah. the nostalgia act bit, that actually does make sense because at that point, like the Hulkamaniacs were an established like. Uh, demographic of small children who would badger their parents to to eat uh Hulkaroos at Pasta Mania, brother. Until they went and, and until they went to heaven and met <laughs> Hulk Hogan or something. <laughs> we already established Hulkamania is a death call. We all we all <laughs> we got so like <laughs> all right. So they. And the tagline for the XWF, and like I said, the Hulk Hogan thing is going to be funny in five minutes, mm-hmm. is no more prima donnas. 
Oh, like wrestling. That's the oh. kind of wrestlers they wanted. Is no, no more prima donnas. No more prima donnas. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, dude. Let me tell you something, dude. The thing that's making wrestling bad today, brother, is it's filled with prima donnas, Jack. <laughs> the these guys, the these guys who are so full of themselves, they can't. Uh, they, 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 they're the these these prissy bitches who can't who 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 can't fucking stand not being treated with with the utmost dignity and respect in the limelight they they gotta they gotta have their perfect treatment all the time brother and i'm getting tired of it hey uh hulk we need a we need you to put over this smaller guy next week oh yeah that's not gonna work for me now let me tell you about these fucking prima donnas (laughs) prima donna first lady of the stage brother yeah, I'm just imagining Hulk so Hogan in the, rest in of this, of the, the roster of this rest of, of this company. They try to hype it up as like it was the past, present, and future, Daddy. But it was oh it was basically like a combination, a, a pretty decent mix of like older wrestlers that WWE didn't see any, any value in anymore. That were mm-hmm. that had especially especially but especially guys who WCW did find value in and. F- Younger guys who were in late WCW that WWE wasn't interested in, yeah, and then after the fact would transition immediately into Ring of Honor and TNA. Oh, easy money. Mm-hmm. And so basically, what they did is, you know, this is still 2001. So what is the? How are you gonna get this company off the ground? <laughs> and the answer is get them on TV. So Absolutely. what they did is they shacked up at Universal Studios in Orlando. Hey! In the same place TNA would sit, would film hey, their shit. This is the same place where now AEW films Darka uh, every yeah, once in a so while. They shacked on up to Universal Studios, and they filmed 10 episodes worth of content. Ooh. To sell to, you know, to have ep- stuff to sell to the TV executives. Hey, you gotta have that content library built up, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, so they got their, they got the, the big roster of stars, they got their commentary team as legit as you were gonna is, is as legit as you could have found in 2001. Uh, the combination of Tony Schiavone Ooh. coming right off of WCW uh. and our boy Jerry Lawler, who remember our, our remember when I talked about how he quit the WWF and protests of his wife getting fired. Mm-hmm. This is this brief moment of time where he's doing that. <sighs> I thought, I thought I was free from you for a little bit. Sorry about Why that. Why are you back? So, this is the commentary team. We're ready to go, and well, they had trouble. First, they had trouble finding TV execs to talk to them because, yeah, really. With post WCW, like the wrestling bubble is a popping. Oh my god. Everyone everyone the everyone saw like how fucking the the tragedy of Ted Turner in in like trying to get his goddamn baby, his wrestling baby to live, goddamn it. And how it just all burned down in flames despite everybody's protests against against him for like doing this. And they're like, uh yeah that doesn't seem like a good idea. 
So uh, yeah, basically, no. nobody wanted anything in to do with wrestling if it wasn't the WWE in two thousand and one. The guaranteed so, money, baby. They had trouble getting meetings with TV executives. Eventually, uh, Kevin Harrington kind of sold the company over to Jimmy Hart, mm. and Jimmy Hart made some headway. But then here comes the other problem. In September of 2011, or Uh-oh. fall 2011, 20, not 2011, 2001, 2001 I was going to say. In fall of, tw- of 2001, WWE started calling up a lot of the big stars in the XWF. Oh, did they now? Hulk Hogan, mm. Kurt Hennig, mm. um, Jerry Lawler, mm. um, I don't immediately off the top of my head know other people, but that this was the problem they ran into is they had all these episodes of TV when they could get a TV executive to talk to them. The TV execs would watch the episodes and see the roster and be like, holy shit, yeah. we got some real stars here. What This is awesome. And then they got to be like, well, you see. And Vince actually, McMahon. Uh, uh, well, you see, Vince McMahon caught wind of this and pissed his pants. So. Yeah. So, like, because they only had these guys under contract for the 10 episodes taping that they taped. Oh, no. So they signed away pretty much all the big stars on these tapings and suddenly TV execs are like, well, never mind. What the fuck? That's so, that's so funny. Vince just shamelessly poaching talent to just kill another potential rival. And it's, it is I don't know if he friends. even knows about this. He was just heard like, what, what's Hulk Hogan doing? Nothing. Nothing? Okay. Okay. Gillen giving him a call. Terry. But like that said that, I don't know. The fact that like, Hogan getting a call, okay, maybe. I will. I could maybe see that because, like, I don't know. Vince just sometimes likes to bring Hulk in for whatever the fuck. But, like, Lawler getting a call after de- fucking quitting in protest of his wife's... Uh, well, see, it's his- fine because then he divorced his wife that same year that he quit in well, protest of, and he's like, I'm back. I'm coming back. Ha-ha! Yeah, but, like... Did he approach Vince or did Vince approach him? Um, I actually do not remember. Because, like, if he approached that Vince, happened. like, post-divorce, then fine. Okay. But, like, if Vince approached him after he, like, left like that, that seems like a weird move for Vince to do unless he knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um... So basically the XWF kind of floundered around, but well, I mean, what can you do with these 10 episode tapes where all the biggest stars on them aren't even available to you anymore? Uh, you could probably sell them. You know, make, have a nice little VHS that gets a, some money, you get a little return on your investment. Well, okay. Fast forward to 2005 where I'm sorry, they, 2005, four years later. Yes. Hmm. 2005 where they basically piece together uh, the best of this footage that they can use, put three episodes on on a DVD, and call it the Lost Episodes of the XWF. What the fuck? And this is the only reason these episodes of T, this ep, these uh, this content of the XWF has ever made air. What? Why were they holding on to it for that long? 
Um, because bef- they were still trying to like figure out some way to get XWF in some form former former fashion on TV for four years. Wow, that's unfortunate. They were trying so hard. Jimmy was talking so it real hard, hard Daddy. Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart seems like a driven individual. J- Jimmy Hart seems like the kind of guy who does not take no for an answer unless he absolutely has to. Yeah, and so these three episodes plus, um, Hogan did wrestle one match in the oh. XWF against Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. Ah. And that match managed to find its way onto a WWE uh, career Hulk Hogan match compilation set, box set, DVD. Okay. In like 2008 or something. What the fuck? This is, this is like some of the more easily accessible lost media I've, I've heard about, but also it's still wild to me that they just felt like digging that one up. Yeah. It's, I don't really know why they made that decision to be like, we got to have this XWF match, you know? Cause it's not like he never Hogan wrestled Kurt Hennig in the early nineties when they were both in the WWF and in their primes. I don't know yeah. why they were like, give me the 2001 match from the XWF, but you know, they did. It's, it's it's got the it's got that allure of of lost media to it that all that all the kids these days like actually no lost media the lost media craze didn't wasn't hitting in two thousand eight why the fuck did they I I don't know maybe I was it burning a hole in their content library was they just like itching to show it all like did was was that a Hogan request that you know what that that might have been a Hogan request come to think of it. I can see, I can see Hogan being like, "We got to get all the good stuff on there, brother." Every, hey, every I'm last doing, bit. He's of doing it. a solid for Jimmy and the Nasty Boys, getting them, getting the XWF on the WWF DVD. I will not have that bullshit be for nothing. Somebody needs to see this, brother. Somebody needs to see this match, dude. Somebody said, everybody, everybody needs to, everybody needs to see how I so valiantly put my neck out for my boys. Jimmy Hart and the Nasty Boys. Absolutely. Uh, so that that so tonight we're again watching episode one of the lost episode of Lost Episodes of the XWF. And like, I don't know the I haven't watched it, of course. I don't know the quality of um the show, but the XWF story fascinates me as mm, a what if because they basically didn't do anything wrong. And like Mm-mm. probably could have sustained themselves all right if they made it on the TV. Ring of yeah. Honor and, and if they don't, if they do sustain themselves, what happens to Ring of Honor and TNA? Mm-hmm. Do they exist? Do we uh do we get um fucking AEW as we know it today? How long does XWF survive? This is yeah. Like, there's the lost media aspect to it, but there's also the, yeah, you're right, an, an interesting what if to all this. I, I'm interested to dive in, and you, obviously with my quite limited perspective being a, a button noob, I'm interested to dive in and kind of try to analyze, could this have had legs, and what... The- yeah, because it's, cause it's like, there's it's very rare for a westling company to fall because they didn't fuck up in some way. Like oh, yeah. There's usually an easily identifiable fuck-up. Yeah, no, was I mean... basically just, it was a little too early after the Monday Night Wars ended. 
to be and, able to get something another wrestling show off the ground. And 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 like a really unfortunate, just like intentional or no, intentional or no, talent poaching from Vince. Yeah, that just kind of sunk their ability to even get on TV in the fucking first place. Right. So it's like, so there's so that does. I am curious to know, like, from watching this episode, like, yeah, how sustainable could it have been? Maybe. Yeah. What is what is what is the quality? Would the other question too being. Would people of the time have appreciated what they were presenting? How, like, how mm-hmm. does it stack up to kind of like uh, th- this one? You'll obviously know a lot more than I do, and I'll be interested to hear your take on it. It's like how it stacks up to early TNA and ROH. And e- e- one more question that that I'll that I that I'd be wondering about, and again, this this one is going to be like super speculative. I don't know if we'd be able to really acceptably answer it, but think too going into the thing too about how would this have shaped the landscape had it succeeded would mm-hmm. would the culture uh would 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 like the culture of wrestling and what the fandom appreciates be different in an xwf world i don't know yeah it's a lot of unanswerable questions with the xwf but we're here to give it a shot anyway, because yep. what 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 is a podcast for? But but for to just kind of speculate to to, to to try to authoritatively speculate on on questions that nobody can answer. Of course. Absolutely. So if you want to watch this with us, I mean, obviously it is a DVD that you could go buy. You can purchase it. However, give, give Terry a little bit of extra uh, pocket cash from residuals, you know. Thanks for thanks for the XWF bike, dude. <laughs> thanks for that. I hope I get a I hope I get a card from from him saying thanks for the end uh, the XWF bike, dude. But it all three episodes of the XWF that made air that are in this DVD have been ripped from the DVD and put in full on YouTube. So oh. that's how we're doing it tonight. Uh, easily accessible, very easily accessible relative to most stuff we watch on this show. Oh, extremely. Uh, and again, relatively easily accessible as lost media too. And uh, not all that lost. Turns out we, we actually got it right here. It's fine. It was lost in 2005. Now it has been found. It was fat. <laughs> it has been found and <laughs> now it's, it, we're good. But now I was found amazing XWF anyway. Yep. So you can watch it on YouTube uh, along with us. Uh, We'll be back in the back half to talk more about episode one of the XWF in your face. Oh, shit. And we are back. We have just watched episode one of the lost episodes of XWF or sometimes WXF. There was a lot of logo confusion here. That man, that logo, up off the bat, yeah. We were talking about name confusion at the start of this. Fucking logo confusion too. Jesus Christ, like, uh, fucking, uh, it was XWF, but the logo read like WXF, and like, I get what they were going for because like the X was in the center and it was all big, but like. 
that's not how reading works, guys. At least not in the English uh, don't language. You, I, mean, I mean, you got like regular left to right. You got like manga right to left. But have you yeah. considered middle to left middle, to right? Middle to left to right. How does that work? Don't ask us. Just accept it. Also, yeah. like, dude, I'm not going to lie. That's a fucking ugly ass logo. God damn. It's like this kind of like slightly cartoony letters. And the X are like made to look like metal bars over some... It is, it is face. in your face. This is everything about this presentation is in your face, all right. Oh, it's it. The X is in his face. Really? I didn't even what? think of that. That's, I bet that's what they were going for. And it's fucking dumb. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, we, we ended this, the last bit. Like asking ourselves, could the what if the XFL XFL fucking hell? Oh well, uh, the XWF had had a real shot on television, mm-hmm. and I don't know if we got enough information on this to get a conclusion on that. I but... lean towards they could have made it, and I have reasons for that. Yeah, but do not have enough info. This was. First of all, it's cut-ups of the 10 episodes. It's not like this was one cohesive episode they were Wait, trying to show it? off. No. You, I mean, they had different logos on the ring apron. I didn't notice that. I'll the be honest. WXF I did not logo notice was that. not on the ring apron every time. I did not notice that. I'll be honest. So it's it's cut-ups of the first... It's cut-ups of these different episodes. Plus, like... It has a the episode has a very piloty feel of like we are trying to oh, introduce yeah. as much of our roster to you as possible right now. Dude, so many, so many fucking like matches on this card. We had that goddamn uh cruiserweight battle royal scramble thing where Tony Schiavone was desperately trying to introduce everybody, every single cruiserweight in the ring as it was happening. Like, yeah, fuck, um, they had a lot going on here. They do. And it's like, and we don't have any idea of like, when, when they get around to having to do week to week stories, like, how is that going to look? We don't I know. I mean, I, I, were, were the episodes, were the 10, as far as you know, were the 10 episodes as they were taped an hour, were they meant to be hour long episodes? That's my understanding. Okay. And I guess furthermore, would it have continued to only be a single hour if moved to television? Because I assume not. I would I would assume they were gonna they would have tried to get an hour just because that was probably the most they could get as an unknown, su- unproven kind of thing. I suppose. But like I guess the I I'd like to think that they could move into like longer episodes, but who fucking knows? Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like the talent was absolutely there. Like as much mm. as they toot their own horn about how much they had the talent there, looking at the roster they had in 2001, I do agree with them on that. Yeah. They weren't talking out their own ass here. No, they, it, they had a lot of like known. If you have watched wrestling in the last five years, especially WCW, they got a lot of people you've heard of. Oh yeah, as well and as a lot of the and a lot of like young guys too. Young oh yeah, who could have carried it like work rate wise? Oh yeah, easily. So I think they had the talent to do it. Again, there's I don't think there's enough story. I don't think they were even trying to do enough story 
line stuff, especially for a thing like when you know we're just putting together like a best of of like three episodes yeah. worth of shit to put yeah. on a DVD after we're done. So like we don't know we don't know what a real episode of the XWF would have looked like. So it's hard to say like would it or could it have worked? This is this is true. I want to know like I want to know like if there were inventions of the DVD release that were on here besides like the 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 Jimmy Hart nasty boy uh interludes cuz they had a bunch of like these weird random little inserts and I couldn't tell how much of that was like supposed to be the actual show and how much was them just like throwing it into the DVD cuz why the fuck not I, I feel like most of it would have been used on TV. Um, okay. Like, uh, like they, cause I, I, they would have used the celebrity cameos on TV. Well, yeah, they would have used that. Yeah, I feel like the wrestlers being like, yeah, in your face would have been like a quick insert thing in, in lieu of like having, lieu of giving them like a real promo. I suppose, but it was so random. And like, little they popped up throughout. Like, it was just random wrestlers being like, hey, I'm this wrestler, in your face! And then it just cut away. Like, what? Th th thank you. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. I Let's just go through it, and we can talk about different creative choices they make Ugh. throughout the shoot. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, we do open with Hobbs, and Brian Knobs of the Nasty Boys, and Jimmy Hart out to basically they, they are here to kind of like narrate tell the narrative of the xwf yeah they They're gave me essentially like the same explanation or, that austin did yeah yeah they start with that uh i make a joke about the aesthetic choice here all these like flashing lights and the weird ugly looking logo it oh, feels man. very 2001 no matter how much yeah it's trying to be like more family-friendly wrestling from an older era. Oh, it's extremely 2001. Explosion graphics everywhere. That dumb fuck logo, which I guess there's, like, multiple versions of it, which, again, I didn't even notice. Like, it's very of the time, and it's very, like, demographically safe. Yeah. I would say. Nothing, mm -hmm. nothing too daring here. They're just kind of going with, like... What looks cool and can draw people in? Explosions! Random dudes on screen! Boom, boom, boom! Hey, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, fucking the, the sense is being assaulted here. But yeah. yeah so it, that, uh, that obviously in a real XWF would have been really annoying. Oh, but we yeah. don't know how long they would have done that. Like, we don't well, like, Is that a thing they do a couple episodes on just to get everyone on screen? And then they're like, okay, moving on. We're going to do like I don't know. real promos here now or what? I have no idea. God, so many fucking questions left unanswered. Jesus. Unfortunately. And then we get American made. Yeah. Hulk Hogan is like the whole fucking opening sequence here. And just a lot of shirt ripping. A lot of flexing. No prima donnas here. Nothing to see here. Move along. Hilarious. But he's like, it's... what did you got to do when the XWF runs wild on you? I think I'll just lay down and cry because that sounds very uncomfortable. Yep. So then we get to the real show. Uh, mean Gene Okerlund is here, uh, presumably in yeah, a more fucking... interview, an interview role in like other, in like another episode. He would be. 
but here Fuck he's just kind of like, welcome everyone to the XWF. Mean Gene is here. It's so it's so funny to me because uh, Mean Gene was with you know WWF for like a decent amount, and then they fired him, and he just kind of like went on and did everything else. He was on WCW and apparently he did fucking XWF. Um, did he ever come back to the Fed after this? Oh yes, he he'll, he'll be back. He comes oh. back when Hogan comes back because he's part of the uh, Hulk Hogan friendship network. Remember? Yeah, I didn't realize that Mean Gene was actually one of the Hulk Hogan super friends. I did not realize that. He is. Aww. He also tends to like go everywhere that Hogan goes. Okay, that's actually kind of wholesome because I love I love Gene. So so him getting mm-hmm. a him him having a spot in the Super Friends is it's fine. Yeah. Uh, after Mean Gene intros the show, we cut to the commentary booth and Tony Schiavone introduces himself, and Baby he talks Tony. he talks about how he was going to leave wrestling, and he this is true. Uh, he was ready to go when WCW oh, really? was going down. Oh, no. Like, Why? you want to talk about a guy who lost all passion for the job. Uh, really? Tony oh. Schiavone. Really? Oh, yeah. That's he uh, hated wild. everything to do with what WCW became. Yeah, and that sounds like Schiavone. There's a reason why, like, after WCW, he does this. He pops up in TNA once uh-huh. and then just goes to call like baseball games in Georgia for 15 years until AEW calls him. Really? Yeah. That's he fucking just wild to me. Gets out of wrestling for a decade and a half. What the shit? So, so Shivani was like from the get go, a uh, uh, like hashtag never WWE guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much of that was WWE just didn't want him or he didn't want to go to WWE, but, like, yeah, he pretty much never went to WWE. That's so insane to me. Like, And, and kind of worked, basically, he worked NWA, WCW for his whole career. That's so bizarre. Like, I, I, think, it's, I think it's cool to have people in the industry who are, like, untouched by the Fed, but... It's it's also like really wild to me to see that happen, especially with someone with a storied career like Shivani. Like every like so many people, especially from like the WCW ECW crowd, they they ended up cycling through WWE at some point, but Shivani stayed pure. Because um, I've been thinking about that a lot. Like the people who tend to have allegiance to non wwe companies and it's wild to me because fucking hogan like for as much as he is seen as the w the wwe guy like the the golden boy of the fed and the this like the, this guy who was made famous by this titan of of like wrestling uh of the wrestling industry he spent a lot of his time like non WWE working. Like he he, he obviously I mean, I'm, has pretty, the whole... I'm pretty sure he spent more years out of the WWE than in yeah. at this point. If you Which can, is so his wild. AW, like his AWA run plus his WCW run plus his TNA run is yep. probably longer than his overall WWE run. And fucking heading to XWF two and uh him doing shit in NJPW for a hot second. Like mm-hmm. My man is so associated with the brand, but 
he spent a lot of time out of it. And it, stuff like that makes me question, like, what his relationship to the brand, like, kind of looks like. Because he just did not spend time in it for a long time. And it seemed like he was actually trying to go out of his way to, like, find non-WWE promotions and shit to work with so like well what, what happens when that decade that he was there is like one of the biggest booms of the whole history of wrestling well you know? yeah that's that's true which makes it even more wild that he went literally everywhere else after that like what did did the fed just think he wasn't worth anything anymore so they let him go and like was he bitter about that like what the fuck um he left in 93 because he wanted to go make movies and uh, he's like, okay, and that failed. That failed um, then he comes back for a nostalgia run in the like 2002, 2003. Yeah. And then, but then but that's like, that's definitely a case of like WWE's like, yeah, all right, you're getting too old there, Hulkster. Um, but like in between, like how did WCW lap him up? Because that's a get. Because that that was I don't. I I forget the story of who put Bischoff in touch with Hogan to be honest. Like I am trying to remember off the top of my head who that who that who made that connection. Okay. But I cannot remember off the top of my head. But Bischoff was basically given given his contact number and Yeah. Uh just Hogan and uh, agreed. Just it was like, yeah, yeah, why not, brother? I need the money. Hell yeah, dude. Hollywood, Hollywood ain't good for the Hulkster, dude. Huh? Hollywood ain't good for the Hulkster. Yeah, it is kind of funny that my man miserably failed in the Hollywood and then made his whole gimmick that he had, like, sold out to Hollywood. Hell even he yeah. Could, even he couldn't deny how shit his movies were, so we had to lean into it for a heel persona. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway. Uh, but Tony Schiavone, he introduces himself, and he mentioned, he, 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 he says, like, I've worked with the greats. But they, I've never, I want, really wanted to work with this man, and that's why I'm here. And it's Jerry Lawler. It's Jerry Lawler. Yeah, for some reason, Tony Giovanni considers it a distinct honor to broadcast alongside Jerry Lawler. Ew. If. And Jerry and Jerry Lawler, which, which seems like a that seems like a very scripted line for Tony. I. D- Tony Schiavone doesn't seem like a he would be a Jerry the King Lawler guy. So hearing him say that is odd. But also, uh, so so Lawler comes out and he's like, uh, he's getting a huge ovation, of course, and he and Giovanni shake hands and they sit down at the desk and Lawler's like, I'm an animal lover, okay? Uh, I love because his wife because his wife in the WWE was the cat, and Uh, that is who he has brought with him. Who he wait? That's his wife. Yeah, it is. Okay. And he Wait. calls her Kitten. Kitten. Because, uh-huh. you know, the cat. cat. And he, he wants to make sure that, you know, he talks about how, like, wrestlers have valets. Well, well here you are, Shivani. And he's like, if we, she, you know, she's going to take care of any needs they have during the show. It's just yeah. disgusting. That's, I... I, it gave me not great images about her crawling under the desk, and I'll let your imagination go from there. But yeah, yeah. that's what Jerry was thinking. I'm yeah, sure. fucking. Uh, I got okay. This is another one for me. I've okay. 
I know they, I know they definitely cross paths, but like, I've before made like observations about how a lot of times my Jimmy Hart impression just kind of ends up sounding like Lawler and vice versa. Like they have kind of very interchangeable cadences and voices and demeanors, especially when Lawler's like out here getting horny. So this is my first time seeing a show where we have both of their voices. Jimmy Dis- Hart, Jimmy Hart just sounds Dis- like he's horny, Daddy. He ain't never God, distinctly prominently featured. It's so bizarre, and it fills me with a deep feeling of aneurysm. <laughs> to just have like both the guys, like imagine if you just got them together on commentary and they were just going. Like, just imagine the horrible shit that would come from those two being on commentary together. I think my brain would explode. Yeah, probably. Uh, so we cut on back to the ring where Mean Gene has gotten into the ring and he is introducing yes. us to the CEO of the XWF. Okay. Rena, who is Rena Marrow, who is Sable yeah. from the WWF. How the fuck did Sable find herself in this position? I do not remember why she left the WWE in the two th- in the late 2001. Oh. I just know that she does, which is wild when she was like a moneymaker in the Attitude Era. Yeah. And I she is here to, yeah, she was fam- famously for being uh, really hot. Uh, Indeed. Indeed. All the fans liking how hot she was. Yes. And her husband uh johnny be bad or mark marrow as he was in the okay i was gonna say hold up what uh mark marrow being like i don't like that my that i don't like that other people find my wife hot yeah they were basically doing uh they were basically doing a new age uh uh, randy savage and miss elizabeth shtick except they were lampshading how toxic the relationship was this time (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it was Uh, such a fucking dumb angle yeah, it worked. Got her real over. And it, got, it did get her. It did. It did put her majorly over because my man was like, "Don't look at the boobs," and all the fans are like, "We want to look at the boobs." The table's like, "I want you guys to look get, at the and boobs." And the fans went, week, Woo! Like a, And then every week, it's like a Looney Tunes gag of like <laughs> his newest theme to not show the boob, and then <laughs> and then and then Sable is like, "Ha I have I have outwitted you." Here is boob. <laughs> Wait, when you put it that way, that actually makes it really fucking funny. Holy shit. That, okay, that, I'm actually into that now. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. That's actually funny. Damn it. Mm-hmm. All right. Any, anyway. So right, she is here, and she she says how the wrestling industry has been, for years, has been run by sleazy egomaniacs. And the rules have been made by has-beens and never words. She's firing shots off the bat, but also like, how did she wind up as like CEO here, even in kayfabe? Like, yeah, I want to know that explanation. She has no his, she has no kayfabe history as like a business leader. Yeah, I was gonna say, did she have any power behind the scenes? No, she's she is the kayfabe CEO here. What? Okay, I mean, I I guess just kind of a wild choice to make i'm not i'm not against it you know gaslight gatekeep girl boss and all that but also huh yeah 
she she explains that the XWF is an even playing field. No more prima donnas and no more politics. Man, when you said the like no more prima donnas, no more politics tagline earlier, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of funny considering Hulk Hogan's the face of this. But they really leaned hard into that one in particular. And it just they got... lean in hard at this place, being like for the wrestlers, by the wrestlers. Yeah, but like it's the fact that she also added in no more politics when again Hulk motherfucking Hogan was the face of this. Really? Mm-hmm. Also, okay, okay. I wanna raise a a, a question about this. About the a, a logical question. Because so obviously curtain call has come and gone by this point in wrestling history. Vince Very, gave the several years now. Several years. Vince has already given the the fans are tired of having their intelligence insulted promo. Like everyone knows, everyone and their mom knows for certain that wrestling is very extremely fake. So, and then Vince Russo went to WCW and made it even worse. It, it, wait, by doing what? Oh, uh, you, you, you! The kind of shit he did in WCW is insane in terms of like breaking the kayfabe rules. Oh, know? oh yeah, yeah, like, okay, yeah. You have talked about this. Yeah, he would have people. Yeah, like, like, directly, I, like off the top of my head, but, I have like the first match. He has like Buff Bagwell lose, and then Buff Bagwell gets up and tells to the camera. He he goes to the camera. He's like, "Did I do a good job, boss?" And then, of course, most infamously, the the paper, the main event of a pay per view was Goldberg versus Kevin Nash versus Scott Steiner. Yeah, and the match is booked that Goldberg refuses to take Kevin Nash's finisher and lose. So he walks out of the match, and the commentators are like, "That he—that's not—that's not, that's not, in the that's not the, he's 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 ripping up the script. He's he's not doing the finish." Yeah, the the yeah, uh, you've told me about the not in the script thing anymore, and that's fucking stupid. Yeah, but like, okay, so so everyone knows this at this point. So. Mm-hmm. How is the, what is the, like, I've, I, th- I I made the mistake, Austin, of thinking a little too hard about the no more prima donnas, no more politics thing. What the fuck is that supposed to mean in kayfabe? Because in kayfabe is that, that, that doesn't always feel like a, uh, I mean, I don't know, I guess, like, I guess you have in kayfabe people politicking over in the Fed and shit, like, you have Stone you turning heel. It doesn't like, happen very much, it doesn't f- like as much it, it yeah, definitely like, so, is a line that is is there for the fourth wall of like we're we are going back to the way wrestling should be as as opposed to like an action in kayfabe sense line so so it's just another example of like the weird double reality that that we live in with wrestling today of like simultaneously like everyone acknowledging that it's kind of bullshit but also like that it's very real yes so okay that's disorienting but yeah uh no more prima donnas no more politics that line just keeps getting funnier and funnier and jerry lawler is extremely horny this whole time he is i did write down uh the one i wrote the line of his i wrote down was i mean he was horny every time he had a chance with re with rena but rena was like we gotta get the best wrestlers in the world and and Uh lawler's like we got the best ceo i'll tell you that 
I wonder Yahoo! why he thinks. Yeah, <laughs> the the woos woos. Th those were prominent. Mm. I have to say, it doesn't help that like Mean Gene and and uh, the next person that comes out will also be really into being like, damn, Sable is so beautiful. Yeah, Gene is like the least bad offender about it, but it's still all of them are just like guys, guys, guys. Come on, why? Mm -hmm. But <laughs> Rena introduces our commissioner because we need a complex power structure and also spoilers for future episodes of the xwf i guess a power struggle we got the commissioner rowdy roddy piper yes okay yeah i'll have all the things to say about this later on but yeah fucking roddy's here the the bagpipes hit and everyone loses their shit as they should and he comes out and he's also, he says a lot like, of the same shit Rena does, but from the perspective of like, I was a wrestler and I had to fight and scratch and claw to the top. Yeah, he, he he's just here to be like the real the the real G. I did not I did note that he is also being a horny over Rena, but at least he has some chill about it. Question mark. He is. I, oh the, oh we, oh! We, we I, get the line though. If I've been an underdog my whole life, and who I've been under some under dogs. Some dogs. Oh, you know it, Gene. Uh, oh my god okay one more thing though like i, I forgot to I, I i didn't catch this earlier uh from my notes but when rena gets in the ring like lawler says gene's gonna have a stroke like that's just just from how hot she is lawler yes, <laughs> how does that even work how do you whatever i think i think lawler's projecting but yeah so roddy's here and he's being horny over rena too but yeah, he comes on to basically give like a big rah rah first speech about uh, how this is a place by the wrestlers for the wrestlers. Everybody gets a fair shot. No politics, no prima donnas. Again, thank you. And yep, he yeah, he hypes up Jimmy Snuka, oof, and Greg <laughs> Valentine as I thank God Snuka's not on this episode, and I don't have to be weird about Snuka. We don't have to be weird um, about Jimmy Snuka. <laughs> But he hypes up Snooka and Valentine for helping putting his kids through college and how they're real men. They're real you know, men. Men who fight and hard, work hard. They don't call their mamas to make sure that the, <laughs> the limousine is coming. Which is a, I think, a slight at Buff Bagwell, which is ironic because Buff <laughs> Bagwell's on this episode. <laughs> Buff got in trouble in the WWE because, like, his mom... <laughs> tried to like politic for him and what and they're like what the fuck is wrong with you man what what the fuck we are Who's not dealing you? with your mother we what? are get just get out buff bagwell's mom is the inferior wrestling mom everybody knows the superior wrestling mom is sue all hail sue mm -hmm. all hail sue beretta but i did like roddy's line i don't care if you're young old as long as you're bold Dude, I gotta say, great reminder here that Roddy's, like, actually really good on mic. Like, his hype, he's got the hype, he's got just, like, this great patter going, this this solid flow that just gets you kind of pumped up, and he he is really clearly speaking with a passion for the industry. Like, he clearly is, like, really happy to be here, and, like, that it feels really, like, legitimate coming from him. Man, God, he was so good on Mike. I, I, I gotta give it up to him for that. That my, my man's just my man's over here like spitting 
fire this whole and time. He, and he 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 talks about Rena. He does mention how beautiful she is, but he yes, also he calls her the the finally someone with brains at the top. And he's like, "You handle the money, and I'll deal with the slime." Dude, that was a great line from him too. The "You deal with the money, you deal. Uh, I'll deal with the slime." Like that does create a really cool like uh, uh, comparison between the two of them. I can't I can't remember the word I'm actually, but like this kind of dichotomy. But between the two of like one's the the brains of the operation, the other's kind of like the heart of it, I suppose. It, it it creates a cool little dynamic off off the top. And it, you were hinting that there's gonna be a power struggle coming down the line. So yeah. that that kinda that kinda adds to it. Who wins out the money or the slime? Uh and then Roddy Piper, of course declares this independence day i assume they film this at or around july 4th i, I maybe maybe fuck when did what independence day the movie was like 99 right mm-hmm. i want to see i i want to see an alternate history in which roddy piper oh 96 okay we're five years removed but like I want to see an alternate history where fucking Roddy Piper is is playing the Bill Paxton role in. Oh in my God, Day. President Roddy Piper! President in Roddy Piper. Day. That I'm telling you right now, man. That shit would be goaded. Okay, I am so sad to this day. I'm really sad that Roddy Piper's acting career just kind of flopped after they live because. My man's got some skill, and everything he does is so much fun. I love, I love seeing him pop up in episodes of Always Sunny, like all these fucking older episodes where he, where he shows up. And like, goddamn, dude, I think, I think this was Roddy Piper's Bill Paxton moment. This was him mm-hmm. giving his his Independence Day speech. I don't care if it was in July Fourth. I will happily celebrate whatever the fuck day this. This episode was taped on as a true Independence Day just because Roddy Piper told me to. Let's go, baby. Yeah. So then we get a promo from uh, Gene Simmons. And I yeah. think, I don't I don't know if it's, I think, I don't know if it's Ace or Paul Stanley from Kiss. Uh, but uh, he's also hyping up not just the XWF, but the Demon. And yeah, I I can't believe we're talking about this outside of WCW in 2000. There's a dude because there's a dude standing right behind Gene Simmons, and he's like shirtless, and he's got a dog collar on, and he's wearing like the, okay. he he has like the Gene Simmons pattern makeup on, and I was like, wait, hold up a second, is this like Gene Simmons like manservant, and is this Gene Simmons manservant like uh, uniform? And if this is Gene Simmons' manservant and it's his manif- and it's his uniform, is he really showing him off on TV like this? What? <laughs> like, okay. Gene Simmons had I'll, what? I'll, I'll be honest, just casually looked like a live-in sex slave, like right behind him. Uh, I could like, see that as someone who has no masturbatory sex who slave. This is. Yeah, his his own like masturbatory sex slave at that, and like he was just there, and I was just sitting there like, what? What is happening? What is going right. on here? Please elucidate. Right. So here again, a lot. I, I mentioned a lot of the 2000 era WCW found its way to the XWF. Yes. Uh, one of them was the Demon Dale Torborg. Uh, That's a name. Who? 
Yeah, he was originally called the Kiss Demon, and then they're like, we're going to put his real name in there, too. And it's like, why? Mm. Um, but, too many letters. Okay. okay, so. In 2000, Eric Bischoff did a thing. He made a deal with Kiss to where, first of all, an episode of Nitro would end with a live Kiss concert. Yes, this was a ratings disaster because wrestling fans don't want to watch a concert on their wrestling show. Did Okay, wait. Was it a full concert or was it just like they played one song? I mean, it was like 10 to 15 minutes of Kiss. That's, that's wild. But, you know, it's like, like getting Kiss to promote WCW. This was the marketing strategy to save them all um and then as part of that there would be a new wrestler introduced the kiss demon whose gimmick is he wears kiss makeup and does the bloody tongue thing that gene simmons does that that's it that's the gimmick is that he's kiss he's a big kiss guy oh yeah Nothing will draw ratings more than than having the main event of your wrestling show being a fucking Kiss concert, and then a dude whose whole gimmick is to just be, like, an insane Kiss fanboy. And so, the funniest thing about the Dale Torborg shit here is that, for, first of all, he was a mediocre best wrestler. Oh, no. uh, but the thing is, is when they did this contract for this shit, it was stipulated that he, the demon had to have a, a specific amount of main event matches. Now, because the whole thing kind of flopped and Dale Torborg sucked, you'd think WCW was in a bit of a pickle. But yeah. oh no, they have found a solution. Oh, They would simply advertise his matches as a main event match and just put it wherever the fuck on the show they wanted and that they just counted advertised it as a main event match that counted of course it did what the fuck so like you would see like pay-per-views where they're like upcoming here's a main event match folks the demon versus Ernest Miller is <laughs> <laughs> the third match on the show Oh yeah, baby. That's the that's the draw I'm here for. Who the fuck is that? Yeah, so abs- absolute disaster. Sounds like an absolute disaster. Um so the demon kind of hung around in WCW for until it died. And then here we are again. They have once again got Kiss involved. And we're and the demon Dale Torborg will be on future XWF. I'm so happy to hear that. But like, okay, here's a here's a slightly off topic question. But does did did was was the demon Finn Balor meant to like was my man trying to take inspiration? Because I know I know Finn Balor and his like NXT run. Had like the demon thing going where he'd like put on scary like now that is that he's they incorporated that from in his time in New Japan he would do like as a gimmick he would do like full body paint references to comic books and shit. 
if like I he had, had like out, yeah, like he had like an outright venom co- out out body paint. Yeah. And he did a carnage body paint. If I had a nickel for every young and up and coming, suppose at least supposedly exciting wrestler who wore copious amounts of makeup and uh, went by the nickname of the demon, I would have two nickels. Which isn't a lot, but it is weird that it happened twice, right? Uh, and clearly, it, it, clearly, what we need to see is somebody is to stop the Judgment Day. We need the Demon Dale Torborg. Oh yeah, baby. We, you know what? What if we just got Kiss in there? What if, what if Judgment Day just had a match with Kiss at that point? I'm sure that, that would be there. that would be sick. Said said people from 1982. <laughs> So we just we just take the judgment day and push them back to 1982. Yeah. So he's gonna be a thing, I guess. But this is all he gets on this episode, so we That's never it, have to see him wrestle. Blessedly. Uh speaking of 2000s WCW, here's a match that probably happened in WCW that year. Uh Big Vito versus Buff Bagwell. Okay, something I want to point out before we get into the actual match. Before each match, we got, like, these title cards where that they... Feel, I feel like that was post-production for the DVD specifically. Okay. Because that was, that was fucking wild. Because, like, it was... We didn't have any pictures of the wrestlers on these. It was, like, the generic background. And, like, two TVs on either side of the... Uh, a TV each on either side of the screen. And, like... Okay, so the, it flashes the names of the two wrestlers, but it does this really fucking annoying thing where it, it flashes away from the names and is, like, extreme, in your face, or whatever, and then goes back to the, like, so it's, like, glitching out, but it's like, my man, I'm trying to read who the fuck this is supposed to be. Why are you having this shit, like, fake glitch out on me to have more of your tagline stuffed in? Stop it. I can't it's read. It's in your face. Oh, it was in my face, all right. I wanted to push it right the fuck out. Oh my god, that was so annoying. Mm-hmm. All right, but so yeah. Big Vito's shtick is he is Italian, Gabagool. Yeah, he is in the mafia. You understand? Jerry Lawler's <laughs> like, you got to say good things about him. He put a hit on you. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, I was one. Never heard of Big B- Big Vito before, but like, he's got that Italian meme energy. So I, I guess I'm here for it. And then Buff Bagwell, he is buff, and he's got the stuff. He is biggity buff dude who yeah, likes flexing and kind of being seen, a goof. Have we seen Buff Bagwell on the show before? I don't know if we have. We pro- I feel like we've, we might have like once seen like his tag team, the American Males, but I don't think we've ever really seen, like, I'm buff and I'm the stuff, Buff Bagwell. He's one of those dudes whose name I've heard come up a lot, but I know Jack yeah, he, did he's, he's, fuck he's about He's a well-remembered part of like you look at wcw going into like 97 98 uh 99 then like obviously the rest he goes all the way through the rest of wcw um mm-hmm. but when he breaks out as a singles guy he's kind of well remembered he also had a okay. really good tag team with also he is canonically the reason for big papa pump scott steiner because really in kayfabe, he is the one who pulled scott steiner away from the tag team with his brother to be like have you considered doing roids and flexing a lot as a as the gimmick dude 
<laughs> and but and and, and Scott Scott was like, "That's a great idea." Now I see, I see potential in you, Scott. The potential of a genetic freak who is not normal. Yep. Now, now let me let me teach you some basic math. Bagwell is who to thank for the big bad booty daddy. <laughs> Damn. Well, in that case, I I have to love Buck, Buff Bagwell because he gave me the greatest meme of all time in the form of Scott Steiner. <laughs> Shit. Mm. So yeah. Okay. Cool. That's the he's here to f- Italian man and 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 beefy Scott uh, Scott Steiner senpai are here. Uh, I did notice I, I I checked the time on this for a forty nine minute episode of XWF. It took us fifteen minutes to get to the first match. Really? I mean, I know and there are six matches the on the episode. show. Yeah, yeah, I did take note of that pretty early on. Of like, man, the work here is actually kind of impressive. Too bad all it these is matches good, are but like short, and it. It really does, you know, I looked at Wikipedia and, like, the story of the XWF, and they talk about wanting to emulate, like, WCW Saturday Night or WCW, um, I can't think of the, Worldwide, like, the other WCW shows that weren't Nitro. And, like, I see that because you're looking at, like, these shorter matches, but they are really, but are good for what they are. Yeah, they are good for what they are. It's just, like, we have such good work here from like really promising and obviously also really well established talent. And it's like, fuck, I, w- I want to see more of this. Keep it going. Yeah. Maybe may, like, I don't, obviously we don't, again, we don't know like what they would have done in like a regular week to week show. So like maybe yeah. they would have had more, they probably would have just by default at some point been like, fuck it, go out there and wrestle like 10 minutes or that, something. That would be sick. But uh, unfortunately, they are a mite shorter. Also, right as uh, Bagwell and and Vito. What? Yeah. Repeat everything you said after. You repeat sick and then onward. Oh, yeah. No, it it just it would just be fucking sick to like get these get get fuller matches out of this. Right. But Mm -hmm. like, okay, what something to correct me up here was so right as buff bagwell and Vito started to lock up shivani's like uh and now uh, n- now uh we're let's hear some comments from the nasty boys and it's like what okay and then it just cuts this like tiny picture and picture bubble in the bottom right corner where the nasty boys are like we're back and then it cuts away and it's like that was phenomenal what? 10 out of 10. Why? Who? Who? What? We're going to get them later on the show. Why did they need to pop up here? What the fuck? Absolutely phenomenal, I tell you. Yeah. Um, uh, but I also noticed, again, knowing Jack diddly fuck about Bagwell, that Bagwell seems to be a bit of a heel slash like Big Vito actually is kind of decently over. Yes, he. I, I, Buff Bagwell was working heel here, brother. Okay. Um, was was also, he a heel like when when WCW crumbled? Yes. Was that like his most recent role? Okay. Yes. Uh, I don't know what Big Vito was doing, but uh, Buff Bagwell was the heel. Um, here's the thing: I took no. I tried to keep count of throughout the night. Okay, so they pipe in crowd noise on these. 
Okay, and yeah. There is yeah, one I have consistent a no crowd sound that they use. Wait, like you noticed five fucking times. <laughs> you noticed so, I didn't notice it till later. Oh, wait, no, I that's not the one I noticed. That's not the one I noticed. Mine was like a high pitched one. High pitched. Woo, woo. We'll get to the one I noticed in a little bit because that shit cracked me up. Yeah, but I have a I have a running counter, and this was the second time on this. They I I didn't think I was gonna comment on it, but then I said fuck it. The first time happened when Rena Mara was being introduced, and then the second time I hear it is when Buff jumps up on the turnbuckle. The crowd noise during that moment is the piped in like noise. Yeah, I was gonna say they're definitely they were definitely piping in crowd noise here because I'll I'll get to my journey with that in a little bit. They are sweetening that's that that noise uh, oh my god also at some point in the match they reuse the noise for like a big veto spot oh yeah well yeah you can if you if you got the sound you might as well like make good use of it you know mm -hmm. it's 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 a kind of like standard tv match it's not bad there's nothing yep. i would be yeah, like no. you gotta go check this shit out uh they do start doing some cool shit at the end though because buff bagwell's trying to set up for his finishing maneuver and like Vito runs up to hit him and gets a superplex on him. And yep. then Buff does win the match with the blockbuster, which is basically like you're on the top rope and then you like flip over your opponent on the ground and like grab him by the neck and slam him down. Oh yeah. No, that, that, that was, that was a solid fucking like, this is the this is the one thing that's killing me about the short matches. Like fuck, right when it's like really getting interesting, this shit like cuts off. But yeah, that that final move for 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 me never knowing previously who the fuck Bug Buff Bagwell was, I appreciated like his work here and and Big V. What's this fucking name? Big Vito too. Both of them. I'm like, oh yeah, that that's that's good work. These guys clearly like talented because because buff bagwell feels like a dude for me who like just by his name could belong in the new generation and and be mm -hmm. kind of like an annoying whatever guy but no the the solid solid like technical work here good good yeah good job yep uh then we get another we have hulk hogan inner like ad jumps in here but it's just him like saying the catch the taglines and this is specifically the one where he yeah. goes no more prima donnas yeah an insert of hulk saying no more prima donnas again hulk hogan just randomly popping up to be like hey i'm still here no more prima donnas brother ah just keeps getting funnier and funnier i'm glad they included what would have i presume would have been the tv adverts <laughs> In like, like they would have tried to put this shit on television for like oh, at the commercial fuck. breaks. You know they what? Been You're like, right. They like this Hogan, like Hogan being like, "Oh, the XWF dude, no more prima donnas, dude." Airing this Tuesday at eight. Oh my god, you're fucking right. That's almost certainly what that was. That's mm -hmm. so funny they included that shit here because it makes it look like they were just planning on having episodes. We're just throughout it. Hulk Hogan's dumb fucking face comes up. And he's like, yeah, we're the XWF brother. Woo! Yeah, I feel like it. that is what I assumed, like, that was that the Hogan stuff was for. Was, like, if they had gotten on TV and they needed ads to, like, air on TV to promote their show, like, that's the kind of stuff they would have sold to, you know, for I mean, fair enough. Would have been fucking eye-catching. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then this is the first time they have the WXF logo pop up because I made a note of like, what? Okay, yeah. I did notice like specifically on the shirts of the dudes here. Like, oh, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, some of them are wearing WXF shirts. I'm like, okie dokie. Okay. Uh, so th they this is like the only like story beat of the episode they try to do mm -hmm. where they have all the cruiserweights as like a collective going up to yeah they got a union you know floor. oh yeah the, the Ever, everyone talks about the wrestlers needing a union this whole time the cruiserweights have actually had a secret union that nobody's allowed to know about truly the second union of wrestling the cruise the original was a stable in the wwf called the union of people you ought to respect son also called up yours if you make that an acronym. Uh, as soon as you said the full name, I'm like, that's probably a dumb fucking acronym, isn't it? Yup. It is. Uh, were they a heel group per chance? I don't even remember. It was like Mankind, Big Show, and like Ken Shamrock. It was insane. That sounds interesting. Fucking. <laughs> like, Actually, no. The real tea is that cruiser uh, cruiserweights all share a hive mind, and the hive mind is just the constant stream of thoughts going, "Do flippy shit, do flippy shit, do flippy shit, hey, do flippy that shit." That feel flippy that shit, feels shit. like that feels like how TNA looked at the X division, which is funny because this is basically the X division. <laughs> yeah, the hive mind, you know. Right. So the cruiserweights run, walk up to Roddy Piper's door. Uh, the main one who talked, the main guy who talks to him though, is the Tongan Prince, who is WCW mainstay Prince Iakea. Um, okay, I don't know if we ever. I don't think we got to him in in our run, but he was basically a cruiserweight. He was just like a guy who was always in the division doing stuff. Mm -hmm. um, his most famous run is in late WCW, where he decided to become. Uh, for the the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. <laughs> what? Why? Get it? Oops. Get it? Because because Prince did that. The artist Prince. formerly known as Prince. So he's the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. Mm-hmm. I get it. Amazing. So now, to, so now to avoid any sort of legal issues, he is the Tongan Prince. And sure. he's just he's just like, hey Roddy, we just wanted to come and make ass like you were you were serious about it, giving everybody a chance. And Roddy was like, you know, when I had to come up, I had to beat everyone one by one. But you mm -hmm. guys, some of the most talented wrestlers I've ever seen. And you know what? Uh, you got instead of having to grind like I did, we're just gonna get everyone in the ring tonight in a gauntlet match, and the winner's gonna be a cruiserweight champion. Yeah, which like. Seems like a fair enough idea, but, like, a couple of the people, Tongan Prince especially, look, like, somewhat dissatisfied or perturbed by this decision? That's so many men to beat, though. Is that, like, look at, okay, look, with, look with, at with the power struggle. A boomer, a boomer who wants to make it easier on the younger generation instead of having it be exactly like it was for them. Yeah, that's fucking based. That's fucking base. Except like with the way some of the cruiser, the some of the cruisers were reacting, it felt like we were supposed to think this was stupid. Like when we do this whole power struggle with Rena, is Roddy Piper the heel of it? No, or... he's the baby face. Rena's the heel, really? Yes. Why? What? 
don't okay. know. I just know that. I just know that's the dynamic. That's the okay. Dynamic there. That was just a weird way to play it then, because Tongue and Prince was like prominently like looking like what? No, kind of like this kind of like what the fuck look on his face, and I'm like, wait, so are we supposed to not agree with this? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, weird. Bad weird. Dire- bad direction. Bad fucking From direction. Yeah, that's, that, that's did the that skit. That's for true. All right, so we cut back to commentary, and Ta- Tony Schiavone tries to like hype up this like interview with Carlos Colon that Mean Gene has, but we never see it or anything. I don't know what the fuck that was about. Oh yeah, uh, but the important part. The important part. I wrote it down because this is when uh, Ki- uh, Kitten is massaging Jerry Lawler's shoulders, and he's, like, talking about, ooh, yeah, I'm getting a massage. I'm like, fuck off, Lawler. And Shivani's like, Lawler, hey, Lawler, Lawler, pay attention. Lawler, pay, pay attention. I'm trying please. to do a job here. Trying to fucking, try, trying to do a thing here. Lawler, please pay attention. Lawler! All right. Uh, here, for the finest in wrestling's past, we get match number two with yeah. Marty Janetti. Marty Janetti's here. Okay. That, yeah, they're they're hyping up how Marty Jannetty is, of course, known for his great success in both tag team and singles work, which, um, okay. Tag team, sure. Tag team, yeah. Mm-hmm. Singles, um, uh, he beat Sean for the IC title once, and then Sean won it back, like, in two days. So, yeah. Um, we had a clear golden boy here, and Marty Janetti was not it. And then he famously kind of like disappeared after that. <laughs> he did too many drugs and then never showed up again. Nah, but we got to put him over, so don't think about it too hard. Yeah, because you see, coming out is Jimmy Hart's newest pet project. This is apparently a, a guy from WCW developmental that Jimmy was super invested in. This is why he's with him. Hail! Hail, who's like a big? Yeah, Jimmy Hart with him, Daddy. He's a big dude, and I mean, I wrote Hail is big dude McMuscles. He is big dude with McMuscles, who vaguely looks like Stone Cold to me from a distance because he's like bald and got the mustache. I could see it, but uh, the match is a few like Marty tries to do some basic grappling, and he just gets no sold on. Yeah. Fucking, fucking Marty, famous for his success in singles competition, shockingly is getting completely fucking squashed here. Hilarious. Um, The the, the irony, I can taste it. And then Hale hits a backbreaker and then a shoulder breaker, and then he does a leg drop and he wins the match. That's it. Okay. So, something I noticed in this match, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to hate saying it, and it's something I never thought I would. Jerry Lawler's commentary is not completely unbearable here. Like, it's not really all that unbearable. He and Shivani are, like, just doing straightforward, like, technical calling of the match. And it's so weird to hear i never hear jerry lawler do that lawler is there to say stupid jokes and get horny over hot women that that's his whole thing so 
Do we have to reach the horror, consider the horrifying implication that the reason for Jerry Lawler's dumb, horny character was Vince was directing him to do that? Yeah, well, but he still has echoes of it here. He's still extremely dumb and horny, but like when he's calling the matches, he's actually calling the match and it's like nice to listen to. It's refreshing. Like, look, I hate Jerry Lawler, both from a character perspective, perspective and in real life, that pedophile simp for Vince. However, it it's kind of refreshing to hear him just straightforward call matches here. Is this place a good influence on him? Is Shivani a good influence on him? What is happening? I don't know. Could be because Shivani could be because Shivani no sells all his stupid bullshit. Yeah, Jerry's Jerry's like, come on, man, I'm trying to do bits here. And, and Shivani's like, oh like, no, I I had to survive too many bits in WCW. No, no, we're doing. Real commentary. <laughs> the best part is I can actually hear Shivani doing that because Shivani is such a fucking grumbly grump about everything. He's such a delightful little curmudgeon that I can literally see like Jerry Lawler is like talking uh, talking up all the jokes he's going to make and Shivani's like, no, no, oh, no, no, no. You don't, Sh- Jerry, you don't understand how this works. We're going to actually call matches and Jerry's like, the fuck what 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 is this concept you're bringing to me what, and what do you like, mean what do you mean what the, that's not what commentary is for yeah it could have actually been shivani being a good influence on him more reason for me to love tony shivani and i'm so uncomfortable with the fact that i was actually like kind of happy with what jerry lawler was doing on the mic Ah, I don't like mm-hmm. it. I feel dirty. So after the match, I noted a sign that says "Hail destroys Goldberg" sign. Yeah. Okay. So was Hale? Did Hale make it out of WCW developmental? I don't think so. Did he have a I following? Think, I think those were plant signs. Yeah, they probably were. But like, I, it was just one of those things of like. I was going, who the fuck is Hale? But here's the, I'm the noob. So I don't always have a great barometer of like, when my what the fuck, who is this person reaction is also the audience's what the fuck, who is this person reaction. Oh boy. At least the plants weren't as obvious as fucking Wrestlelicious. At least, at least there's that. Yeah. So we get a cut in for maximum force, whoever the fuck that is. Okay, uh, I also was like, who the fuck is Maximum Force? I don't know. I'm With two for two, Don baby. Marie, they have arrived. They are in your face. I'm so excited for them to be directly in my face. And then Matt's three, the the late, the newest and worst addition to the Hulk Hogan Friends Super Friends Wrestling Network, Horace Hogan, his nephew. Yeah. Fucking Hulk. It's funny though, because they like cut away from the ring from the from the Hale and Marty Jannetty match, and then they cut back to the ring, and I thought that was still Hale, 
because they're both like these tall, like bald dudes with mustaches and black pants. So I thought it was just still Hale. And then they're like, Horace Hogan. And who? Who? What? Another feature of late WCW. He got the job. That's that was a straight nepotism hire. I was going to say from WCW. No prima donnas, no politics. Now come watch Hulk Hogan's nephew in the ring. Horace. Horace Hogan. Okay, dude. I'm sure he'll turn out just like his uncle. And then he is facing Ian Harrison. And if you don't know what nationality Ian Harrison is, his theme is dun 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 dun. Yeah, just in case you were confused, and and just just to make like extra special sure that you won't be confused, my man's like whole costume is just is just Britain. It's just the British flag. It's just the Union Jack. My man's whole everything that he wears is is just the Union Jack. So don't they will not let you forget that this man is from Britbongerland. So, thank yeah, you for that. And he is and he also is fucking dude. massive. He is a big dude, Mick Muscles. We he have found a- yet another bodybuilder for Hulk Hogan to squash eventually. Wait, that's what this we is building had gotten to? That far. I was just making an assumption based on Hulk Hogan's entire career. Is that a wait, is that a running theme of Hulk Hogan's career? Especially in the WWF Yes, build up Wait, big what? guy for Hulk Hogan to eventually beat. Wait, wait, fuck. Who, Them's who the formula. The Hulk, who from the Hulk Hogan's Rogues Gallery fits this? Is like, uh, is, is, is Bundy, uh, Andre, um, Haku, Tugboat, is, what? Hennig. Really? They're all ex-bodybuilders? Oh no, I just meant big, big dudes. Oh, I thought I thought we big, were talking about like no. dudes who were actively previously bodybuilders. Okay. New. No. I'm talking okay. about dudes who were just large and muscly, and they're like eventually Hulk Hogan's gonna beat him. Ah, uh, <laughs> I see. So works. so we're setting up Hulk Hogan revenging his nephew one day. Okay, sure. Uh, for sure. I oh, guarantee boy. if this went long enough, he would have dropped the big leg on Ian Harrison for the one, two, three. Harrison would have felt would have felt the, the power the, of the, the leg and the Hulk up in the one, two. Yeah, yeah, he would he would have been you, you, you. Yeah. Uh. So Lawler makes it his mission for you for you people to understand that Ian Harrison is a fucking ugly. Uh, He's really going hard on the. Ian Harrison is fucking ugly trained. His which, best Lola, line have was, you looked in a mirror? He, like, when he first came out, his best line was, when he was a kid, his family didn't buy a jacket lantern, they just put his face in the window. Yeah, that was the first, I, I wrote down the, wow, it's kind of nice to hear, like, kind of straightforward commentary from Jerry the fucking King Lawler. And then he says some shit like that. I'm like, ah, there's the annoying dipshit that I know and hate. Yeah, the, the difference is Shivani doesn't play into it at all. JR oh, would have Shivani made a comment. JR would have commented about that, about him saying stuff like oh, that. Oh, oh, come on now, King. It doesn't look that bad. 
Shivani just completely Shivani ignores me. Stone face. My fucking king. I love Tony Shivani, dude. Holy shit. I know he was like a jackass in his early career, but goddamn do I love that man. Mm-hmm. Uh, USA chance coming in hot in this first Ooh. match. You'll love and to I gotta it. say, though, it's this might be one of the better uses of the USA chance because who better to exemplify the American dream than Horace Hogan, an extremely mediocre guy, guy with who has a famous better relative who got him a job? Ah, fucking true. Hulk Hogan truly did help exemplify the American dream, just not in the way that he purported to. Nepotism, 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 nepotism. Uh, although, I will say, nepotistic as this shit is, fucking uh, Ian, Ian whatever, just also, Ian Henderson just kind of like, Pulls through pull poor Horace Hogan. Yeah, we like, got a we got a we got a squash match to do, brother. This is a, we got a big this monster. Squash a re- this is squash Rooney number two. Like Horace does his best, but Ian Henderson is here to take is is here to take the dub ultimately, and you gotta tell and here, that and here to do big weird flexes. Oh well, yeah, he got to show off them muscles, baby. But he does fuck- like he does a weird one where he like flexes his chest and arms inward and then goes and then makes a weird face like yeah okay are you familiar with him because it seemed like you knew that pop i i have seen a i have seen eclipse of xwf of this guy before okay so i knew i was i was prepared for the weird bodybuilder flex dude does ian henderson have much prominence outside of xwf not in America. I mean, they Woof. talked about how he wrestled in Britain, so maybe he has more of a career there. But in America, no, this is it. Woof. Yeah, no. But yeah, fucking uh, Hulk Hogan apparently backstage is telling his nephew that is going to work for you, brother. Because his nephew, oh, yeah, his nephew, you know, he tried. He tried, but uh, uh, he was there to, to put big, beefy boy Ian Henderson very much over. And okay, I. We have to, we have uh, time. We gotta talk about the finish here, especially the way I wrote what this move was. So, okay. Okay. So what Harrison does is he wraps his legs around Horace's head and then like falls backwards to like slam his head into the mat and then mm-hmm. just squeezes as a submission move. And he and Horace taps out. Yeah. I wrote Ian Harrison wins with a mommy Amazon thigh squeeze. <laughs> Fucking, where's the lie? I mean, folks, where's the lie? My man, my my man, was like he know he knows he's got them thunder thighs and he's gonna put them to good fucking use. This I is, mean, this is what this is what I presume death by snoo snoo looks like. <laughs> Go, going to hell is hell is actually death by snoo snoo, but it's being executed by Ian fucking Henderson. Yeah. <laughs> Heaven Nominate. is death by snooze new. Hell is hell is also death by snooze but this time just done by Ian Henderson. Oh no. Oh yeah. Look, look, I can't blame him though. If you got thighs like that and you don't try to crush things between them, what are you even doing? Like, I think it's like mm-hmm. in the law that if you have thighs like that, you just have to like use them to crush it. So 
Ian Henderson's fulfilling his duty. I get it. But also, who baby. I do appreciate a big muscly dude not having just like some power move as a finisher. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, again, the work here is pretty all right. Like, it's not like the standout of the show by any means, but they clearly got people who have, I would say, a dynamic talent. These aren't dudes who just do like one thing and then leave for the most part, I'd say. like Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got they got some they got some semblance of a of a of a more dynamic move set, which I appreciate. In the future, in the future, in the future, Hulk Hogan versus Ian Harrison match, a backstage look at what the what the at the um uh, at the politicking would have been. All right, oh, Hogan, yeah? Hogan, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna take Ian Harrison's finish. No way, dude. I don't want to. I don't want to die by snoo snoo, brother. <laughs> I don't want him. I don't want. I don't want a mommy to step on me, dude. I need. I gotta set an example for all the little Hulkamaniacs out there. All right, death by snusu is not cool, brother. I say your prayers, eat your vitamins, don't die by snusu. That's the Hulk Hogan way. That's the that's the newest tenet of the Hulk. That's Hogan the newest. Hogan. That's the new. I have. I am a prophet, and I, and I have seen. I have had revealed to me the newest commandment. <laughs> this is the this is the this is the Book of Mormon of the Hulk Hogan commandments. <laughs> Don't die. No death by snoo snoo. We need Austin. We need to evolve this bit to a point where, like, fucking, we we need to evolve it to a point where you and I can develop legitimately a whole like hulk hogan cult religion that we can like make shit for like the cult of hogan what do their like traditional religious robes look like what is the what is the the suicide ritual that brings you to hulkamania in heaven <laughs> and why is it not death by snoo snoo as death by snoo snoo sends you straight to hell brother <laughs> Like, like, like smoking marijuana, dude. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. just go straight to hell. You have, you have Lou Albano here as like a disciple, and he's going, if you, if you, do, if you do, if you do death by snoo snoo, you'll go to hell before you die. Yep, that makes sense to me. Uh, oh, oh, oh my god <laughs> keep going uh, got, I have gotten David yet again I love how I love how our best bits on this show are just coming up with these like insanely stupid and deeply ridiculous hypotheticals that we just oh, yeah, take that... way too far Oh yeah, daddy, no, no death by snoo snoo, daddy. That's a bad. That's why I don't manage. That's why I don't manage Ian Harrison. I manage hell, brother. He don't, he don't, he don't understand no death by snoo snoo, daddy. <laughs> fucking the fucking Jimmy Hart megaphone is like the official relic to use to preach from the pulpit. Actually, like that is a, that is a holy relic now of mm -hmm. of of the word of God. And by God, of course, we mean Hulk Hogan. <laughs> And on, and on, yeah, daddy, and on the 22nd day of January, 1983, daddy, the Holy Hulk Hogan, what, defeated the Iron Sheik to become the WWF champion for the first time, daddy-o. The whole, the holy number, of course, of, of 
the Hulk religion is the number 22, uh, both for the, the, the 22nd of January on which Hulk Hogan was, was, uh, brought to the iron Sheik or whatever. And, and also the 22 inch Python, man, the number 22, it keeps coming up. That is a, that is a holy number of the Hulk Hogan religion. Fuck. We gotta, we gotta write this shit down. We, we gotta, Austin, we could, we could become the prophets. Austin, do you, do you, do you see? We, we become the prophets of the great church of Hulkamania. Yeah. Fuck man. I, I was, I was so, I was so off in the beginning. Cause like, with the, with, the, with the whole vanity project bit but like fuck whatever i was planning on doing clearly our true calling is is making the cult of hulkamania a real thing we were merely oracles when we called it a death cult that was just the prof the prophets of, i wonder of this podcast now i what man there's an alternate timeline where hulk hogan did jonestown well, listen, dude, you just got to drink the flavor aid, brother. <laughs> I appreciate well, let me tell you the, something, I, I appreciate you using flavor the right aid is looking on. real good right now, dude. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my God. Okay. And somehow Ooh. we were, Hulk Hogan was not on this episode besides yeah. stupid adverts. And he's not even related to this match. I was just talking about Hogan. Well, he is related because this eventually is, job well, this fucking, his Ian Harrison. He's related by blood to this match. Excuse you. I suppose. Yeah. So, anyway. So, yeah. So, so giant British boy Ian Harrison is here to just murder Horace Hogan by Snoop Snoop. And and Lawler yep. insists that Ian Anderson is very ugly. Hulk Hogan uh, is very proud of his nephew for for taking the jobbing like a chump. And the nephew said, uh, "When when dear dear Uncle Hulk will I be able to 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 be able to to win all the matches like you? You'll and Hulk, and you'll know you'll know the time when the time the, is coming. You know when the time." The, you'll know when the time is coming. And then Hulk Hogan looks at his watch, and the watch just on each tick has not Horace's time, not Horace's time, not Horace's time, not Horace's time. <laughs> it, check, check the watch, dude, and it just says never. <laughs> that that would be that. I could legitimately see Hulk Hogan doing that. Anyway, yeah, okay. okay. Another, another random insert Johnny. B- Johnny be bad. Um, Johnny B- I don't be bad. Right. We have more experience what? with him as Mark Marrow in the WWE. It's a, uh, such where, a stupid fucking name. In WCW, um, Johnny be bad was like, what if I, what if I was like a little Richard cosplayer and they're like, okay. And they're like, oh, and here's Johnny be bad. <laughs> okay. I guess because he's not Johnny B. Good. (laughs) That was the joke, yes. (laughs) But he is Johnny B. Bad, and he is back. He's back and he's bad. Hooray. And we cut cut on back to Brian Brian Nobbs and Jimmy Hart being like, wow, look how how great. Look at all the great parts of the XWF there were. Wasn't it sick? Honestly, I was like, wait, is the episode already done? Hold up. No, this is the midway point. Yeah, they're here here to jack off the company more, which, you know what, fair enough. 
is fair enough, but also very funny for a company that's been de effectively dead for four years. Um, Dude, I... The fucking, the fucking, like, little duo bits here are so funny. Because, like, they they sound so proud of this little engine. They're, they out, they're out here doing some real, like, I could have been a contender I could have been a contender. That's literally, and... yeah, it's literally, like, the shtick they got going on. They're so reverent toward it. It's like, is this, like, a bit to put it over? Or do you, like, legitimately feel this way? And if so, you poor boys, do you need hugs? Mm -hmm. uh, but another insert of a man who is here in the XWF, Norman Smiley. He is here to get Wiggy and Jiggy. Yeah, I didn't even catch this motherfucker's name. He's just like... Yeah, all right. So Norman Smiley was a cruiserweight wrestler in WCW. Fantastic wrestler. Kind of underrated in okay. the if you look at the all-time cruiserweights. But he got super over because he started shaking that ass. It doing and he becoming a, a man who became obsessed with during matches doing the wiggle the wi the wiggle what, what i i mean like, i guess all I mean, this I man guess. wanted to do was hit the wiggle i mean like, i he, guess i st fucking too cold scorpio did that like dancing in ring shit and it was actually like super cool so it can be done but also, like, I don't often see people, like, do in-ring dances and make it really feel cool. There's, like... We'll have, to we'll have to watch late WCW Norman Smiley so you can get okay. a good sense of uh, of the wiggle. The wiggle. I'm, so I'm sure it's a banger. Mm-hmm. And then we get the match for the Cruiserweight Battle Royal, which I wrote my first note... No entrances, so who the fuck knows who all is in this match and who's doing what? Oof. Yeah, that that was just that was the best part. Was like they just they just showed up there, and Shivani, like I said earlier, was literally like, "Yeah, we're just gonna try to introduce everybody to you as well as we can." I think like, I have the eight people in the match. I I have some of them. I think we had. AJ Styles. Yes, we had AJ Styles. Daniels. Yeah, baby, CD. Baby AJ and baby CD. Baby AJ, baby CD. I love both of them. Uh, we have future Mexicools, Juventud Guerrero. Guerrero, excuse me. Guerrero, and I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, we got two whole Mexicools here. Where was super crazy? I don't know. Probably, probably off being super crazy somewhere. We got Kid Cash, uh, Kid another Cash. WCW guy. Uh, -huh. uh the Tong the Tongan Prince. Tongan Prince. Uh, we had Quick Kick, who is the future low key. Who... I don't know who that is. Yeah, he he's basically an indie legend and oh, okay. big Ring of Honor guy. He had a he Ooh. he kind of flopped out of WWF and Impact and wrestling in general because i'll put it like he's basically a headache to work with he was uh, he's very much the kind of guy who's like i know kickboxing for real so like i should never job because that would be unrealistic, uh, dude. okay he was that kind of guy and so oh. like he's burned every goddamn bridge he's ever made in wrestling so he doesn't uh. really like do anything now which sucks because like if he, if he didn't have such a shitty ass personality because he's really good <laughs> 
everyone in this match was like showing off and they were all doing cool shit. I can't I can't deny it. Mm-hmm. Uh and then oh, some dude named like Billy Five Punch or something. He gets eliminated know. first, and then I don't think commentary ever like says his name really loudly. They don't so they no didn't really, they're like they're just like, oh, he's here and he's gone. And yeah. he's gone. Uh, but the mo- clearly the most interesting thing about this match was, of course, we're cutting to crowd shots. And who could be in the crowd? But, of course, the runner-up for MTV's Tough Enough, Josh Matthews. Yeah, okay. Why is his name familiar to me? He is the l- little twink backstage interviewer in, like, 2011. Oh, shit! That guy! Yeah, he oh, used to shit. try. He used to be a wrestler, and he was on Tough Enough, and he was the runner-up. Okay, yeah, because they said they called him the they they said the runner-up of MTV's the runner-up of, of, yes. of MTV's Tough Enough, which is such a great little line to say when you can't talk about the Fed directly. Yeah, these guys. Um. Yeah, they were hyping this up like he was the biggest fucking signing in the history of the company. We got Josh Matthews. Got Josh Matthews. They really saw something in that guy. Uh, whoever the fuck was really booking this was like, man, that dude from Tough Enough really impressed me. Yep. So uh, they kind of throw out half the match all in quick succession of dudes. The some yeah. of it was one of one was really sick was when AJ got eliminated and he got back body dropped over the ring and went flying and landed on two other guys who were already yeah, that on the outside. Ruled. That fucking ruled. So the final four is Quick Kick, Kid Cash, Prince, okay. Tongan Prince, and Christopher Daniels. Was the final yeah, quick, four. That quick kick's the last one. Okay. So yeah, yeah that's uh, how I knew it was. I knew it was quick because this, this is when I started taking actual notes of what was happening because we've slowed down a bit here. Of kick, of like quick kick, doing like the Daniel Bryan yes kicks to Kid Cash and kicking the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And okay, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's fair because what what got me was he and CD were both like in red and they're both like these lanky dudes and like. They both looked bald. Although, at, when I got a closer look at CD, my man's got like hair, real hair. Like it's got yeah, a little bit of blonde hair going. It is like toe blonde hair. However, like so, so it still looks bald from a distance. But like, goddamn, my man is uh, my man is working that uh, working that fucking hair, Jesus. Um, but totally. Uh, yeah, that was so wild to see CD with with hair. But yeah, so I was I was I kept getting him mixed up with Quick Kick, which is funny. But um, yeah, so okay, there was a, there was a sick move um, where Kid Cash and Quick Kick were on the opposite opposite turnbuckles, and they were going to go mm-hmm. in for like a, a simultaneous move to hit Christopher Daniels and Tongan Prince, and Prince and CD moved out of the way. So Kid Cash and uh, Quick Kick collided with each other in the middle of the ring. That yeah, no, they were they were doing these cool like group spots where like none of them were really like tag team working together, but they they had tiny little moments of cooperation to like fuck over someone else. Always a fun spot to see. Also, 
Okay, this is where I gotta bring up the piped in crowd effect, crowd sound shit, because th this was a little earlier in the match, but they had this spot where someone got knocked into a ring post. They had a camera like right there as the as it did, and as someone got knocked directly into the ring post, I forget who, and I heard a crowd sound that was like, <gasps> and it's like it that sounded to me like I'm not doing it justice, but there's like the crowd reaction, like stock sound of a crowd going like, Oh, like, you know, you know, that sound where it's like mm -hmm. a whole crowd is going like, Oh, like that, you know, that sound. I heard that. I caught that. There. I'm like that, that there's no way that's legit. Right. Like that is a no. piped in crowd sound. They were, pi then, they were piping in crowd noise for this. And later on, I heard that say later this match, I heard that fucking stock sound again. They're just using stock sounds to pipe pipe into the crowd. What the hell? So goofy. Incredible. Okay. So Cass throws out Quick Kick and uh, the Tongan Prince. Final two, CD and Kick Cass. CD, for some reason, climbs the top rope, facing away from the ring and kid, thus Kid Cash. And so Kid no. Cash yeah. just kind of... Bumps him off the top rope and wins. I know. That was like such a fucking lame way to end it because so much shit was happening. And then CD was just climbing to the top and Kid Cash went, nope, and just dooted him. Like, it was a cool moment for like work smart, not hard. But also like CD was setting up for something and you the guy, just, no. Just like, fuck, fuck you. you. Fuck you. Jesus. Okay, so Kid fine. Cash is the inaugural cruiserweight champion of the XWF. Holy shit, buddy. That's exciting. And then uh, this is when I wrote pipe in sound number four as they pipe in that same like high pitched cheer when Kid Cash wins. <laughs> yeah, good on you for catching that because I just noticed the one that like gets used everywhere for everything. Yep. Okay, so then Kid Cash goes over and shakes hands with Josh Matthews and like yeah. pulls him out of the crowd to take him backstage. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm going to take you backstage to meet the boys. So, again, they, they were really excited about having Josh Matthews here. Oh, yeah. Then um, we get an advert. For everyone involved. Yeah. So, honestly, like, really fun match. And, like, oh, yeah. definitely. They, they, they would have, the X, we don't talk about the what if here. Like, the XWF clearly would have done basically what TNA did with the X Division. They're, they get all definitely. these, like, young, athletic, high flying dudes. And send him out there to go do cool shit. Oh like, my god! This was the battle royal version of a fuckity do spot fest arena. Oh and yeah! Like you, you get all the you get all the cruisers in there at the same time. You're just gonna get boys flipping everywhere. How can you not yeah. love that? Mm -hmm. And I think it would have been as immensely successful for them as the X Division was for TNA. I would say so. I would say. Um, I, I would say that this would have been a highlight of their entire programming. Because, like, the guys they got here are exciting talent. Like, like this is uh, absolutely this pool of, like, indie guys who, like, WWE just didn't fucking want. Because this yeah, didn't fit what they, they, they wanted as, in, as a wrestling product. They are not WWE people, at least as of, like... The early 2000s. I mean, obviously, some of them did show up in the company later. You got fucking psychosis and hooven to joining in for the right, Mexicals, but they were, which, you know, in the, they were turning into absolute they, clowns as the Mexicals, though. 
The only yeah, one in the like two thousands, they in the two thousands, they were. We talked about it. They were a lot more mm-hmm. hesitant to hire these kind of indie rific dudes. They would yeah. obviously change their mind on that, both in the short term and the long term. You look at we talk about the Mexicals and then AJ Styles will get there. Yeah, eventually. AJ Styles is the major success. Is the major success story here because like Mexicals, like it's cool mm-hmm. to have kind of legendary dudes like Psychosis and Hooventude in the Fed. But the problem is that the Fed turned them into clowns. Like, they were right. good, but they weren't allowed to be their whole selves in ring. At least it seems to me from what I've seen of them so far. Like, mm-hmm. it, yeah. So AJ's AJ Styles is the one big success story here. And, yeah, I mean, it is like, it is just the TNA X Division 1.0, essentially. But it, like we, it's like, cool to like, see what's effectively a precursor to that, and I have to wonder if like yeah. what X uh, like it, what WXF was doing here, XFW, fucking whatever. Jesus, now it's got me confused. Um, if what like XFW was doing here, XWF, fuck me. XFW is a completely different thing. They might have named their company at some point. If what XWF, Jesus, now I'm gonna try that one more time. If what XWF was doing here was like that good i wonder if some of the guys that ended up going from here to like tna helped influence the idea of the x division based on what they were doing Mm -hmm. with the like the 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 xwf for a hot second maybe uh it's again we are seeing a lot also it's a lot of these pool of guys that w like the let ring of honor and TNA feast for years. Cause impact for, cause WWE was just like, they're not, they're not, you know, developmental projects by us. So yeah. we don't want them. And they're like, okay, I guess we'll just be super successful indie companies with these guys, with these insane. And, and then, and then like 10 years later, Vince took a gander over. He's like, Hey, wait a second. What's going on over there? Holy shit. Wait a minute. Triple Holy H was shit. like, hey, hey, guys. I, I just had idea. the most brilliant idea. What if we, what, Triple H was like, guys, what if we hired a, all the indie guys? What if we, Triple H was like, hey, dad, can we hire indie guys yet? No. Hey, dad, can we hire indie guys yet? No. Hey, dad, can we hire indie guys yet? No. Uh, wait. How much money are Impact and, and ROH making? Uh, well, shit. Uh, fine. You can, you can, you can. Fire the fucking indie guys, but only only in NXT. Only in NXT. And then AJ Styles made it on the main roster and got super over. And Vince was like, God damn it. Derek yeah. proved wrong again. Damn. Except the thing Vince would never say. Um, uh, yeah. My idea. Am I out of touch? No, it is the children. Who of course, anyway. the indie guys. I was just, I was telling you, the Hunter, we got to hire more yes. of them. I, I was just saying. The indie, we love, we love the indie guys. I, my, my idiot son here never, my idiot son-in-law here never told me about these indie guys, but I told you about, shut up, idiot son-in-law. Shut up. (laughs) All right. Back to the XWF. We get an advert with Alice Cooper being like, yeah, this is the XWF in your face. Welcome to my nightmare. How do you get it? I keep forgetting fucking Cooper's Alice Cooper thing. Yeah. So Alice Cooper's here, which is cool. I love me, love me some coops, love me some coops. So that one is actually cool to see. But also, uh, like, how the, the fuck did they pull Alice Cooper? Uh, you know, for friends and shit. Sure. 
I just want to know who on the roster had contact with them. Who who was Alice Cooper buddies with that he did this? I feel like it'd, if it'd be anyone, it'd be Hogan or Jimmy. Oh, no. Those are the dumbest answers to that question. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, Alice Cooper, daddy. Why don't you go on doing the XWF dance? Just say welcome to my nightmare. Do you get it? You get it? It's like the reference to your song. I'm, I imagine, I I have to imagine, like, a meeting between Hogan and Alice Cooper has got to be, like, one of the most bizarre interactions between two humans in the world. Possibly. Absolutely. Uh, we get another Hogan advert, speaking of, we're just like, in your face. Yeah. Hi again, Hogan. Why do you keep showing up? And then we get this gr- this group of, like, three women who are, like, we're the X- X- XWF in your face. They are X-Girls, Inc. I don't know what that means. They're probably Nitro Girls, but XWF. But we other I otherwise have no context for this. They've gotta be the they've gotta be the Nitro Girls, right? Like this has to be the Nitro Girls. Fucking okay. I would think. Hold up. Hold up. Oh, they had a whole they had a whole thing. Wait. What Jesus, there were a lot of Nitro Girls. Um There were fuck, a shitload of Nitro Girls, as a matter of fact. I don't know how to remotely Wait, Stacy Keebler was a Nitro girl? Yeah, pretty sure any Star woman Mel was a be... Nitro girl. Yeah, that checks out. What? Wait, hold. I just thought the Nitro girls were just random chicks that they hired in different cities to dance with them. I didn't realize they were like. Now this was a dedicated act... group. Uh, what? What the fuck? What? Stacy Keebler, Charmel, uh, the rest, a lot of these other names I don't recognize, but that's still two that's like, holy shit. What? Okay, wow. Yeah, some of these have to be Nitro Girls, right? Like, th- there's without a, yeah. without a doubt a couple Nitro Girls. Mm-hmm. So, match number five, and this is where I noted the extremely different apron. And ring appearance. Other matches on this show. Of the Nasty Boys versus the Shane Twins. And no, I don't know who they are. Um, But I wrote big WXF logo on the apron. The fuck. Also a third different logo on the ring. Oh, no. I didn't notice that. What? All right. Get, give it to me. Who is the... uh uh? Who do we have? Like, 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 what? What's the um? What? What's what's the design breakdown on these? What? What is your uh, critical analysis of like all these different designs for logos they were trying to go with? Do we got a winner? Do we got clear losers? What's what's going on here? Because I did not catch this. Um, I can't have an opinion on the third one. I would barely see it, but I could just tell it's different. Okay. It's like thinner than the right, and oh. it's all black. different from the xwf logo uh the wxf logo i could almost get behind that aesthetically and i get the joke the x is in your face but you can't put the x in the fucking middle because that's not how you read uh so fuck that (laughs) you can't put the x in the middle because that's not how you fucking read boston leaves 2022 what a what a quote of course quite great quote and then like, so I guess the winner here is the logo they have, but also the logo they have, I'm kind of whatever about. Yeah. 
That's, that's, I mean, it's lame and generic shit. All of the logo, the two logos I've seen are both really, really boring. Like, mm-hmm. like really boring. Uh, I immediately did note to complain about the Nasty Boys doing the pit stop, which we don't talk about Nasty Boys matches on here enough. Thank God. But the pit stop is the move where they take their opponent and shove them into into their dirty or smelly armpits. Oh yeah, because I love they're nasty. Yeah, okay. See, it's funny though cuz like they're they're the nasty boys and that's their whole thing is that they're nasty. But like they don't come out looking like they're supposed to be dirty in any way. They look like they look they come out looking like fucking we have Neo at home. We have the Matrix at home. Like they're wearing these like big fucking black dusters. And one of them is one of them is wearing like this pair of glasses that one of the god I swear to god, one of the goddamn kids from Spy Kids 3D wears for a majority of the movie. Like they're trying to go for like some like n- neo punk shit. Like the- Which sounds about right, because like you look at their attire in like 1990 when they were in their like peak form, I guess. They're big, and they're, they're basically peak. doing like what it's they they were very much doing like what is what what does punk look like to like a geriatric boomer, dude? Um, they were they looked like Mad Max rejects. And that's the fucking or, road like, or a bad though. or a bad live action version of those two villains in TMNT. Um, what Bebop and Rocksteady? That's it. They look like shitty Bebop and Rocksteady. And but that's the so LOD's when, job. That's their job is to look like slightly better Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> slightly. Let's be clear. Uh, so the nasty boys just look like shit always. Uh, but this is that's to the extent of their nastiness is to look vaguely like what you think, like what to old people punk looks like. And I guess um, and, and I that guess checks to out old people, to them. Like punk punk people also don't shower to old people. I guess sure. Uh, but it's like that's their look, and they've updated it to look dude some neo matrix shit. And they're and then like the get there one of their signature moves is sticking people in their armpits. Delightful. Nasty. That yeah. I will say Jerry Lawler is here to keep putting over the like these dirty punk people don't shower thing because he goes, These guys haven't been together for four years and they haven't showered in four years either. Which to me, sounds like Lawler is implying that they not only shower together, but they refuse to shower when apart. And I mean, yeah, okay, that, I'm willing. I'm, I'm willing to take that reading. I'm willing to take that reading. I mean, tag teams to shampoo together. But what then fucks me up is that Lawler then proceeds to call them two brothers from or two two twin brothers from different mothers. Now he's talking about. The- he was talking about the Shane twins when he said oh, that. Was I thought the Shane twins were real twins? I don't know enough about them to comment on that, but I th- he I think he was talking about the Shane twins. Oh, I thought that too, but like I thought he I thought he 
refer to the nasty boys by name by each of their names and then talked and then said like the two twin brothers from another mother's thing i thought it was a juxtaposition to the shane twins whatever either way apparently they like to take might have been uh the shane twins oh they're these guys uh they are most famous for their short run in tna oh as the johnsons the chair no 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 now to be fair the full gimmick was that their manager was some nerd they beat up in high school and it was literal the literal nerd power fantasy of like someday i'll be your boss and careful who you call ugly in high school (laughs) literal so their boss who is the nerd they beat up, they bullied in high school, now is their manager and is a vindic- being a vindictive dick. He call- he makes them dress up like penises and calls them the Johnsons. <laughs> this is like first few shows of TNA early. Yep, and- yep. I, remember the- I remember the Deadlock episode about it. <laughs> yep. So that is these clowns. That's these guys. That's before so they became funny. dicks. They were the Shane twins they of XWF. The... Oh my god. Oh my fucking god. That is amazing. I love I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, but right now they're just some dudes. And and even crazier. One of them, I wrote a Shane twin, hits a lariat on Brian Knobs and wins. Yeah, I was like, oh, jobber, 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 jobber. I was so ready, Austin. I was so ready to call some hypocritical bullshit on the no politics, no prima donnas thing, only to have, like, the two best friends of Hulk Hogan win their their fucking debut match in, in, in XWF like that. But no. They they fucking lost to the who the fuck are these guys Shane twins? So credit where credit is due. They were being kind of serious about that no politics thing, at least to an extent. And then so the nasty boys are sore losers and try to beat up the Shane twins, but out come the road warriors to of run course. them off. Of course, road warriors gotta be here. Yep. And then and then we get I, I was hoping i know this segment is longer than this so i was hoping there would be more this was the full bit but we get willie nelson being interviewed by hacksaw jim duggan yeah what the fuck we couldn't just get willie nelson to just be like yeah xwf no no we gotta have jim duggan here to conduct an interview my man had to speak his whole ass mind about it uh it was very short and i was sad because i thought it was like the full bit from that that i've seen from that from that interview bit with willie nelson but that's fine clearly they were saving that for another episode um then we get a vampiro promo that is mostly him kind of just extolling the virtues of xwf but in being like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my chance now, and you're all gonna die. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this, this I, this I found funny because so Vampiro is here, which is sick. 
uh, and he, but he, he's basically talking about how he and a bunch of his compatriots got fucked over by like politics in the industry and were they were forced underground. But which, like, Force okay, Lucha underground. Uh, hey, oh, but like, okay. Again, I'm a noob and I don't know all the context. But speaking of deadlock, I've heard them mentioned multiple times in their in their like observer notes section about little bits of history that indicate that in at least in his earlier like prime days, Vampiro was kind of a pain in the ass to work with. Oh, that's <laughs> that's just Mexico though. In Mexico, in Mexico, you got to fight tooth and nail for anyone to put over anybody. That's just how that goes. That's fair. I just know Vampiro's had a reputation for walking out of shows at least for a little bit. I don't know. Again, every everyone does that in Mexico at least once. Every everyone okay. at least once is like you're dropping the title tonight. Fuck you. Fuck you. No, I'm not. I'm that's, leaving right now. That's the that's the epitome of that's not gonna work for me, brother. Okay, so then I I withdraw that a little bit because like okay, I guess just it's just a fucking cutthroat. It's a cutthroat world in Mexico wrestling. Goddamn. Okay, but yeah. So so Vamp is here, which is which is sick. I and and he looks like young Vamp looks cool. Uh and then Jesus Christ, you weren't wrong about the big names. Fucking Bobby Heenan shows up. Yep, the Bobby the Brain is here. And Bobby gets in the ring and he wants to explain that he is no longer a manager. He is an <laughs> he agent. Is an agent. Okay. Or the man who made Minnesota famous. Kurt Hennig. Yeah, okay. We cannot so legally we'll... call Mr. Perfect, but you oh, know, we can't? Mr. Perfect. We can't? Is that that's oh. WWE? Oh, no. Okay, so two things. One much more benign than the other. First of all, gotta say, Heenan's got fucking drip. My man's got, like, a white, like, uh, this fancy-ass white suit coat with tails. It, oh, Absolutely man. Absolutely styling. Drippy, drippy, as he should be. What a Heenan's always got the drip, but like this was a fucking step up. What a king. Okay, so help me out here, Austin. Kurt Hennig slash Mister Perfect is a name I hear bantied about, but he's one of those. He's one of those wrestlers that like I hear bantied about, and people are like, "Oh fuck that guy. Oh shit, that guy this is such a cool guy." But like I have seen Jack fuck about this guy. I know Jack fuck about this guy. What what's the what's the deal? Yeah, sorry about that. His his peak time is like early 90s WWF. Okay. Uh so outside of our purview for the most part. Uh but he did have extensive runs in the AWA in Menace, in in uh in the American Wrestling Association or something I think that's what that's called. Mm -hmm. Then he came over to the WWF. He had a pretty solid run there. And then he spent a solid amount of time in WCW after that. Um, his whole gimmick is that he is perfect. Uh, mm. That's the shtick. Does kind of explain the name. Probably the best part of the shtick was when early, like early new generation, late golden era is when they ran these. But he would do, they would do like, they did like vignettes of him being the perfect athlete. And they would have him do shit like he, he throws a he bowls a three hundred, or he throws a football to himself, or he like shoots basketball and never misses because he's perfect. That's deeply goofy. I love it. 
it is fantastic. That sounds great. No, okay. Truly, also, just truly one of the great technically sound wrestlers of his of his day. So, so like the epitome of indie darling. Then, aside from his one like main for that era of t- for that era of time, sure. I mean, AWA was more main would have been more is more mainstream than what oh shit could be that's fair as indie, but like. For the 90s version of like what would an indie darling would look like, that's a fair way to look at it. He was okay. absolutely the kind of wrestler that, you know, hardcore it wrestling nerves love this guy. Okay, that's that's cool. That if he's got that kind of cred behind him, that's that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh I I can I can get behind that. So yeah, he's here and then out the fuck Oh, oh, oh wait, 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 before before that. Uh the, Lawler says on commentary, the brain is Heenan's agent. Good job, Lawler. But then, fucking out comes Vamp. And holy shit, we want to talk about drip. Vamp's out here doing his best extra slutty Dr. Frankenfurter cosplay. Holy fuck. My man's I was wondering how to, like, mention that outfit, but that's the best way to describe it, I think. Yeah, extra slutty Dr. Frankenfurter. Like his his whole ass titty is 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 open, is out in the open. Hanging out of here. Hanging out of here. But like he's got the like black corset. He's got like this leather fucking dress sort of skirt thing beneath it. He's got the full makeup. My man is looking. Oh boy. This is I was saying to Austin, this is the guy. This is the same guy. This is the same fucking weirdo I have heard say just the absolute dumbest shit on Lucha Underground commentary. This is the same convicted murderer who brought multiple people to their death by by killing them via drinking game when he said his name a whole bunch in succession because he knew there was a drinking or saying brother a whole bunch in succession because he knew there was a drinking game every time he said brother. Like this is the same man. What happened? He tried to be the normie, clearly, and like he tried to be Ian Hodgkinson, and this is what happens. <laughs> Turns out, D- he and Hodgkinson is just a fucking weirdo. But uh, yeah, so Vampiro, I did note also the piped in crowd noise yet sound that I keep counting about happened oh, during shit. the entrance last time yeah. I noted it. And apparently, uh, and he seems surprised to learn that in his prime, Vampiro was fucking athletic as hell. Vampiro could schmoove, dude. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised. I know he was a quite talented dude who who worked a whole bunch of different places. Like he was, he did. He he worked. Uh, he worked WCW, didn't he? Yes, he is very much in the came from WCW category of XWF yeah. wrestling. Yeah, so he worked WCW. So I knew he had to have talent, but like seeing 2014 Ian Hodgkinson versus like 2001 Vampiro is like, holy fuck. My man is schmoving. He is, he's got the moves for days. Holy fuck. I don't know what was happening, but it, it was, it was incredible. This was like, Another. This was uh, alongside the uh, the cruiserweight battle royale for for like top match of the night for me. Just because vampire, just seeing young vampire in action is like holy shit. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And he's got such a great uh, presence I, to him too. Yeah, 
really short match like everything on the show, but I did make a note of a really sick. He does like a back kick, but from the top rope. Yeah. Onto Kurt Hennig. I was like, what the fuck? Dude, absolutely insane. Who is this man? Uh, so the match ends where Bobby Heenan tries to pull like a foreign object on to help uh, Kurt and then outruns Roddy Piper to take the item away from Bobby Heenan. Then he clocks Kurt Hennig in the face. Yeah. And then Vampiro hits a, sco- hits a sl- body slam for the win. Yes, you can get, as always, you can get away with anything if you're a baby face. But, see, here's the thing. This was another moment of, like, okay, what the fuck are they doing with Roddy Piper's, like, GM character here? Because, okay, uh, he comes out and he, like, takes the Nux from Heenan to to stop fucking uh, 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 Bobby Hennig from, or not, not, not Bobby, but Kurt Bobby Henning from winning. Kurt Henning oh, from winning. And then clocks Kurt Henning in the face to make sure Vamp gets the dub. And, like, I I came up with an angle that I think is, like, more interesting than what they might have been starting to run with. Because I thought this was going to lead to some shit of, like, oh, they're leaning hard into the no politics, no prima donnas thing. Like, Roddy Piper just made a move to make sure the, like, more indie guy got the dub here. And it's, I was like, wait, shit, is this about to be a whole, like, conspiracy from from Roddy Piper where he like gets in the corner of all these like indie guys and like makes sure they win so that they can like that would be kind of sick yeah it'd be a fucking interesting way to like meta commentary the shit you're doing but that's not what they went for is it no it's just set up some power play shit Lena comes down. She's to also celebrate with Vampiro, and that yeah. is the end of the episode. And oh, and Heenan's mad about it like a fucking hypocrite. Mm-hmm. How okay, dare you special? cheat to win? Only I can cheat to win. That's my job. Yep. So we cut back to to Brian Nobbs and Jimmy Hart being like, "Man, that was a great show." And yeah. then, but they also take this time to like uh, pay tribute to Kurt Hennig and mm. Haw- Road Warrior Hawk. Both yeah. men died in 2003. Yeah. Uh, and they're just like, well, we'll, they, we'll never forget you. We love you. We miss you. Um, they do a weird cutoff, audio cutoff on Jimmy, who's like trying to say, oh, they're never yeah. forgetting, that's for sure. And then they just cut to silence and hold on the tribute video for pack, like three and then they seconds. Go like, and then they yeah, just cut back like, oh, to. We'll see you next time. Yeah. That was a weird way to go out, but okay. All right. So the first episode of the XWF, it was chaotic. Uh, it was kind of fun. Um, it is. It's hard to ju- again, like we said at the top, it's hard to judge how it how good the XWF could have been based, based on, on this, this yeah. because it's it's both like we're cutting up moments from the actual tapings plus the this is a very piloty episode of like we got to introduce mm-hmm. all the characters. Mm-hmm. so we're not doing like hardcore like storyline plotting that you could be like oh so this like when they're doing like angles this is what this is going to look like yeah i see it's so interesting we were talking about like it's speculative place in history it's so wild because i see echoes of what's to come 
in mm-hmm. this tonight. Like, I see the... I, I see a lot of I, I see a lot of like especially the DNA of TNA here. I did not mean for that to be as like corny as that hey. line was. But yeah, I see a lot of like the DNA of of, of TNA and Impact here, especially D- Espe- DNA. Don't non action. That was the you, best I had. Great, great job. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. Fucking uh, deoxyribonucleic action. There we go. Fucking, there we go. Yeah. But, but like that TNA especially is, is the stuff I see a lot of like a lot of what feels like it'll be TNA shit early on. Like mm-hmm. it, it, I see a lot of that. And then of course you got like the indie guy love that like ring of honor really, especially pulled on. Like obviously TNA had the indie guys too, but like ring of honor really pulled on that shit. And like their emphasis on those type of guys here, that was very ring of honor esque. And then like the, we're just here to do, like just straight work matches here that would that's very i mean the their presentation of it did feel a tiny bit proto aew too like again they were all shorter matches but like just in the like consistent work it's like it had like this feels like a prototype for like all of the like major american alternatives to come and that's really interesting to me and i don't I don't know if we would have gotten TNA and ROH had XWF really come to fruition. Or so or many like, of its necessary components R- were there. I will, I will say ROH probably still happens because that was 100% a like joint of like, we got to fucking uh, find something to replace ECW on the VHS tapes. Uh, uh, but, uh, let's do Ring of Honor. So that probably still happens, but like, Let's just say that XWF locks these guys down. Mm. And like what how different Ring of Honor could have been if XWF is there ahead who got there ahead of them. Like, yeah. Like that. Yeah. I uh yeah, I I guess I guess the question is like what necessary components of the like major success of these companies that did really come to be were being kind of like bookmarked in in xwf temporarily and could roh tna have survived without some of those components yeah early or would they have been the same would they in like a speculative way it feels like tna is more likely to be hampered by something like an xwf I don't just because it feels like it's the kind of place Jarrett would have ended up. Yeah. And then that's just, the thing. No TNA. Yeah. That, that's the thing. Like Jarrett could have been brought in. Like, I don't, I don't know if Jarrett could have pulled what he did with TNA with half the dudes that were in XWF. And like, because if they had kept those big names in XWF, more would have come. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. But they would have so, been running the show like Jeff Jarrett and instead of Jeff Jarrett. And it's like, would he have been a, like Jeff Jarrett was was and still is a fantastic business mind in wrestling. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. he got them, he kept them going on pay-per-view only. That's I would argue that might be the biggest difference between why TNA still here and XWF isn't is because they XWF was fully on like we got to get on TV yeah, and Jarrett was like, Jarrett. "There's no Jarrett's like, hmm? 
No, yeah, no, I'm agreeing. Jarrett's mind is too. Jarrett was like, there's no way we're getting on TV. Mm -hmm. But what if we put this on like weekly pay per views just to get something started? Mm -hmm. We can work it out. We can work the rest out later. Yeah. Jarrett is like brilliant in terms of a, in terms of a booking and mark or like, or a, a marketing and Mm -hmm. development standpoint. I, I like TNA. From what I know of early TNA, should have fucking failed. But Jarrett, it's thanks to the like booking it's is like, absolutely insane. Yeah, but like fuck, Jarrett was so savvy that he that he made it a success. So would XWF have brought on Jarrett? Would Jarrett have been able to like help shit? Would Jarrett have felt differently about his abilities to succeed in the market without or with with XWF there? Like. Yeah, because that's another question is like if XWF is there and does get on TV, does J- and Jarrett still wants to make his own wrestling company again? Like, does he think like maybe we can get on TV too? But like then the, yeah, well well that that's also the thing of like of Jarrett's not just going up with like going up against ROH, Jarrett's going up against ROH and XWF and like that would have like he he might have just felt he would have been oversaturating the market at that point. So like, mm-hmm. who fucking knows? That is this is so fascinating. I I am glad that XWF didn't survive simply because like it felt as though like it's two kind of spiritual successor babies in in TNA and and ROH were so much the better for kind of like divvying up their specializations and Mm -hmm. having kind of like a split between the two things that XWF, like basically XWF were trying to, was trying to put all this stuff together simultaneously and R and like ROH and TNA showed up a year later and like split, uh, split some of the concepts there like in half and presented each one as its own like specialization within the companies. And I think the current landscape is more interesting for that. And I think both the products of TNA and ROH are better for that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of, to me, and I know I speak from a biased perspective here, but like to me, then it feels like we got the perfection of the formula with AEW of being able to kind of like remarry those two things um, mm-hmm. and create what XWF could, was, was trying to be in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate what XWF was going for. And I kind of, I kind of agree that it's like, I feel TNA ROH both definitively do better what XWF was going for. So it's yeah, cause, be because, low. because they split, they, they like, they took aspects of FWF and they're like, they each took like one kind of big aspect of XWF and they're like, all right, this is our specialty and we're going to roll with it. And they refined really well on those things. And it's, it's, but it's, but it's like, it is, it is weird. Cause like we talked about XWF never did anything wrong mm-hmm. within as they never made any real no. mistakes business wise. So it's like, yeah, it's sad. It's kind of sad in that sense that it went under that way. Yeah. I appreciate it existing for like trying to give guys jobs, even for a little bit mm-hmm. in 01. Mm-hmm. And what was probably, it was really like the hardest time in the industry to have jobs. Yup. Yeah. 
Like there's doom and gloom like, in the air. Like ECW like and on like, we, like we like ECW and WCW were gone. Yeah. And like people talk have talked about how like the indies of the two thousands wasn't as sustainable uh job as like maybe the territories were, and that's yep. fair. But in two thousand and one, we didn't even have the indies yet. God, <laughs> so no. God no. Like this is it's I think it I think it might have just here. been like I think like maybe like by this point XPW and CZW out on the West Coast were getting started as like what if we made it even more hardcore than ECW and also West Coast. Uh but other than that I don't know any other major indie company that was existing in 2001. Cannot yeah, no. think of the one. I mean I don't know any of them so I'll tell you I'll, I'll take your word mm -hmm. for it. Yeah, so it's like I appreciate them trying seeing like hey maybe we can try to get it maybe we can try to take a different route from where the wwf is of trying to be like less crass and family friendly yeah and more family friendly as yeah. well as trying to like get wrestlers back to work even as silly as the whole like in your face no more prima donnas i yeah i is. i do really uh i i i do really appreciate like i thought the family friendly thing was going to make it like really goofy and like way too mm -hmm. like spiffy clean, but it didn't feel like a kitty show to me. It felt like an adult show and they just like didn't swear a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, I guess it's my take. That's our take on the XWF. Like yeah. I appreciate it for what it was, but it's, I don't necessarily think the world, the wrestling world would have been better in the timeline where it doesn't gonna get, it it it's uh it's knees cut out from under it yeah before it has a chance to be anything and like we can never fully right but right it it's uh i think we're looking at like it is it was probably i i'm happy that it kind of that that what happened happened because it allowed some like major aspects of the industry in america to get like specialized and refined by ROH and TNA, and now we're at a point where, like, kind of more, I guess, I mean, more XWF-esque things can pop up, like AEW or whatever the fuck uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is putting together. Like, mm -hmm. we're, we're at the point where, like, we can have, like, like, I, I mean, I guess AEW is more, like, it's weird to call AEW, like, XWF-esque, but, but, like, XWF feels like it was trying to be like WC again, like early WCW. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, I think like that's a cool formula to roll with and a cool thing to like set as your foundation. Um, but right now it was just that a foundation. I think what, I think what XWF stands for is a fascinating blueprint of what was to come in the industry. And I think, and mm -hmm. I think it's fine that that's its value is just like, a cool time castle blueprint of what was to come. Yeah. So that is it for our time here with the XWF. Huh. Next time we are heading on down to 2013. Got to get the year right on this. Yep. As we are starting the yes movement arc as we begin the lat the night after SummerSlam where Daniel Bryan was screwed out of his WWE championship by Triple H and Randy Orton. 
I'm so excited, man. The, I, mm-hmm. the, this, this, this arc, we, oh boy, getting to see the rise of one of the best boys of wrestling is going to be a, oh man, mm-hmm. uh, incredible. I'm so excited. Yep. Uh, but that is for next time. Until then, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir, my dear friends. Thank you so much for once again joining us in yet another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. We are delighted to have you here. Hey, returning listeners, viewers, what have you, thank you so, so much for, be- for being here. Uh, you know the drill. Thanks again uh, for, for, once again, welcoming us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, whatever it is you use to consume our content. We, we just love having you here. You know that. New people. Hey, hi, how's it going? Thanks so much for being here. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to th- think we are friendly to both noobs and knockouts alike. So whether you are brand new to the wild, wacky world of wrestling or you're a veteran of all this weird bullshit, either way, we hope you feel welcome here. We hope you had a great time here. If you would like to keep having a great time with us week after week after week and you're not entirely sure how to do so, well, not to worry, my friends, I have you covered. First of all, you can find us on YouTube. We're the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe, ring that bell, and make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we drop a brand new episode. Uh, It's a great time over there. Give us that sweet, sweet engagement if you'd be so kind. Check out all of our playlists, organized all of our uh, storylines and and arcs and shit into uh, their own separate playlists so you can follow something all the way down without having to do a whole lot of skippy skippy. It's a good good little helpful thing. And uh, you can also see our beautiful, lovely faces on on the video version and all the secret visual gags that we hide in here for for all you folks. Uh, Yeah, like me me trying to balance my laptop on this episode. Sorry about that. Video uh, viewers, I'll be back at my desk. Next has time. me roll R-O-T-F-L-O-L, Austin, this 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 balancing act of yours, top-tier stuff. No, but uh, of course we have the audio-only version if you don't want to see Austin's laptop balancing act. Uh, you can find us, of course, on three of the best places to find your podcast, which would be Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, come give us a listen, download the show, uh, give us a nice little five-star rating if you'd be so inclined, and maybe a little review that says, hey, these guys are pretty cool, maybe you should check them out, I don't know, I'm just saying. All your patronage, of course, appreciated in audio or video form. Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. But, of course, we also have social media that you can use, you can use to get in contact with us. Isn't that fun? So, of course, you can find us primarily on the Twitter at Noobs and Knox Pod. That's at Noobs, the letter N, Knox Pod on Twitter. Come check us out there. We post memes. We engage in discourse. We post every single time. We drop a brand new episode so you guys always know what the hell is going on. Of course, the highlight of our Twitter is weekly wrestling live tweeting. I've been at the helm of the Twitter recently every Wednesday night or as many Wednesday nights as I can anyway. I am watching AEW Dynamite on TBS and, and tweetering about it. Uh, and then when I'm feeling extra spicy, like, hey, about uh, 45 minutes after I get off this, this, this podcast call right here right now, I watch... AEW Rampage at 10 p.m. on TBS, and I rather like to tweet her about that, or on TNT, pardon me, and I rather like to tweet her about that one as well. It's it uh, we we just we just like to have fun over there, and please, guys, I tweet out some bangers. It doesn't get nearly enough likes. Check it out. But on top of that, of course, Austin, the the knockout that he is, does his due diligence to watch all of the major company pay-per-views and do some tweeting about those. My friend, what is on the docket coming up? Sure. Um. So, 
on January 13th, we have Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill. Mm. Uh, as, with Josh Alexander versus Bully Ray for the Impact World Championship and Jordan Ooh. Grace versus Mickey James in a title versus career match for the Knockouts title. Oh, shit. Uh, upcoming in the WWE on January 28th is the Royal Rumble. Oh, it's rumbling in here. It is 30 men and 30 women will enter and only one and only one man and one woman will leave mm. with world title matches at WrestleMania. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, uh, brother. Mean, um, then an AEW all the way on March 5th will be Revolution. Revolution. Uh, one of their regular four annual pay-per-views. We obviously have no matches for yet. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's it's a little ways off in case you guys hadn't noticed, but we will be mentioning those matches as they are added. Absolutely, come check us out on the Twitter, guys. It's a great time. If you like listening to us ramble about wrestling for like two hours for whatever reason, you'll get a similar experience over on the Twitter. Just 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 come have fun. Do you like you like having fun? I like having fun. Come check out the Twitter at Noobs and Noxpod. But of course, if you want to get in like super direct long form contact with us, you can do that as well at our Gmail address. Uh, you can Gmail us Noobs and Knockoutspod at gmail.com. That's Noobs and Knockoutspod at gmail.com. Come say hi to us. Tell us what you think about the show. Request wrestling arcs stories media companies whatever for us to watch and cover uh tell us how based and red pill you think our hot takes are yell at them for yell at us for our hot takes being stupid whatever either way uh just come say hi we love people saying hi we would love to say hi back noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com and finally of course, you can also find us on Patreon. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. The link for that is in the Twitter, of course. $1 a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout-out at the end of each episode. Shout-out to friend of the show, uh, the sugar daddy, Kyle Smith, for being uh, being a delightful, delightful friend and a delightful patron of the show. Enjoy your perks, buddy. If you want to enjoy your perks alongside Kyle, you can subscribe to that good old Patreon, $1 a month on the Twitter new or uh, link on the Twitter for the noobs and knockouts podcast, a Patreon. See y'all next time. Hasta luego. <laughs>